What's up, everybody? Uh, we're coming at you here, bottom of the bill, new episode. Before we get started and all that stuff, we just want to say uh, we got the 100th episode coming out, or we'll, fil- we'll be filming it on March 5th at Kingmaker Brewery with Annie Dukes. It's going to be a live podcast where we're going to be doing Q&As from the audience. We're going to be doing giveaways with unpopular opinions. So make sure you're there, March 5th, 2 p.m., Kingmaker Brewery with Annie Dukes. They're going to uh, finish off the night with a set as well. It'll be their album release party. It's going to be awesome. Lots of good, lots of good stuff happening. We want to shout out our sponsors for that event. We have Canine Social. We have Kingmaker Brewery, obviously. Uh, Mock Shop Music Exchange. And we also have Best Bud CBD Store uh, sponsoring as well. So all that stuff is going to be linked in the comments or in the, in the description. And uh, we'll get you guys set up with the tickets and all that good stuff. So make sure you keep up with that. This week's episode, we have Solo Lion from the band Be Easy. Uh, this is a great episode. It was fun talking shop with him for a little bit. We're talking about uh, different influences coming up. We're talking about just the grind, what he went through coming up as a as an artist, uh, and then also his new album that he plans on dropping soon. So it's going to be a, rec- a reggae record. And then Be Easy is also working on some new stuff as well, which we're super stoked about. So check out the episode. We hope you guys enjoy it, and thank you for tuning in. We'll see you guys later. This is Bottom of the Bill. Welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. We don't really know each other that well, but um, I think you saw one of our things on TikTok, and then we connected the real time party, and we were able to, you know, set this up. So I'm glad you're able to to, to do it, man. Thanks for being here. For sure, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. For real. Um, so for those who don't know, Solo plays with the band Be Easy. Um, what's been going on with you guys? You guys staying pretty busy. Pretty busy for the most part. Pretty busy, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's what it is. A lot of work. Still going down. We're in the in the, in the uh, process of a new album. So hold on one second. I got volume coming out of this TV. My bad. Ah, uh, I thought it. Yeah, I thought I heard it. I was like, is that coming out of the TV? Yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, I was wondering how I heard yeah. myself that like that. You gotta say cut. Yeah. All right. Um. All right. So Be Easy's got a new album coming out. You guys are working on. We're working on getting the songs compiled. Yep. Okay. And what do you think? Uh, like, how do you think you guys are gonna release? Are you guys trying to do like singles, or are you guys gonna do like a whole album? Um, we're trying to get a whole album ready, you know. But I'm pretty sure we'll probably start with a single. I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, what kind of music? Is it like different than what you guys have done in the past, or kind of? How would you describe like Be Easy sound as far as like original music goes? Um, I'd say you know, party dance, 
type vibe. Yeah. Um, our last album, we had like a variety of type of different styles on there. But what we are best at and what people are known by is like making people dance, party, get the party going. So funk, reggae type vibe, rock. Hell yeah. I don't think I've ever heard, I've seen you guys play a bunch obviously, but like I don't think I've ever heard like one of your albums all the way through. When was the last time you guys released a record? Oh man, yeah, funny you should ask. Uh, it's been like 2017, bro. Really? Damn. It's about time for you guys to have you guys, you guys been missing the studio experience and creative process, like collectively as a band? Oh, yeah. Um, as a band, for sure. Because you guys do all, all like your own stuff on the side, anyways, right? Um, pretty much, yeah. I mean, we because we got two two singers and he does this he has some things some side project that he does for you know solo and i do too definitely um i'm into that for sure i've been doing that before the band so yeah yeah so um what would you say kind of your musical journey has been from the beginning when did you start playing what's kind of been the trajectory from then on uh started out in church okay um, from church, you know what I'm saying? I was listening to, besides gospel and stuff, R&B and hip-hop. <clears throat> from the beginning, hip-hop and R&B, and then it went to, um, you know, later on, rock, and I started branching out to other type, types of things. Rock, metal, country, and stuff. Okay. Um, and was guitar, like, your first instrument? Nah, Piano. Piano oh, was really? my first real instrument, but I was beating on stuff before the piano. Oh, okay, cool. So I, I say I was a drummer. How old were you? Piano? Yeah, or when you just started beating on shit? As young as I can remember. If I could find something to beat on, some pencils, pens, and a table, uh, just my knuckles and hands, it was a wrap, so. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Still to this day. But. I started playing keys, uh, I think around like when I was five or something like that. Six, okay. Five, six. And do you come from a musical family? Or you have like, uh, My sister played keys. Okay, cool. That's it. Cool. And um, so you started off in the church, and then when did you kind of start to branch out and, and go into like different directions? Because you see a lot of guys that come from that church background. Some of them just never leave, right. which, you know, facts. has its own thing. Um, and then you got guys that start off there and get the get the chops and like the the you know the ear and then they take it to different places and like to me those are like my favorite musicians. So when do you think that you kind of start to branch out and learn about you know the, the different worlds out there? Uh, when I went to middle school. Well, middle school is kind of like when I first saw uh, electric guitar being played or an acoustic guitar being played. Make sure you're talking to that mic. Oh yeah, my bad. You're good. Middle school. Middle school uh, <clears throat> was when the first time I saw a guitar being played live. Okay. Middle school, I see a guitar and uh, like acoustic guitar. Like outside of the church? No, I never really see guitar in the church. Oh, okay. When I, when, you know what I'm saying? I came from a real uh, backwoods, Baptist, Southern Baptist. Almost so backwoods that, you know what I'm saying? It was just... Sometimes it was just a foot in the hands for the drums, you know what I'm saying? That's fucking dope, though. <laughs> <laughs> but they had a piano. Yeah. Yeah, it was dope. Now I think about it, it was dope. 
I mean, talk about like a way to make the best of your resources. Like I think musicians can be pushed to like some very interesting creative spaces when you don't have like everything available to you. So it's cool, especially if you go back and listen to like a lot of that, like earlier blues stuff. A lot of it is just like clapping and stomping and then accompanied by a guitar and stuff, you know, so it's cool. I think to see where people can go creatively when you don't have everything at your disposal. Show sure enough. Yeah. That's that's definitely where where uh spawned from. Out there in them cotton fields. Blues. Yeah. That's where it came from. So I got that direct when I was young. That roots vibe blues feel. Definitely. Before yeah. I started playing guitar. Before you started playing guitar? Yeah. But I didn't know it was blues. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And this is like, so um, at, this is like middle school, you're saying? Middle school when I started branching out. Okay, got you, got you. And what was that experience like? Were you playing with kids from school or? Yeah, because I went to, you know what I'm saying, a predominantly white school too. So they was listening to all kind of different music that I, that I was interested in knowing because I didn't want to be left out, really. right. But, um, yeah, they had a talent show and stuff, and Cats was playing, you know what I'm saying? Those Cats was playing, like, really old old blues tunes and old rock tunes and classic rock tunes and stuff. I didn't really know nothing about that too much. Right. You know what I'm what, um, what was kind of, like, the uh, experience when you were, like, were you in band at all, or were you just kind of connecting with people that, because you don't seem to be like a, like a band nerd at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nah, I wasn't in band, but I was in chorus. Okay. I was in chorus because I always sang, so so everybody always really wanted me to be in a chorus type thing. Okay, and how do you think that helped you in playing other instruments? Do you think that it developed your ear at all? or? Uh, most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely, yeah. yeah. Okay. And what would you say kind of like, when you were playing with other people, were you just kind of jamming with people randomly or were you? No, nah, I was trying to learn the guitar, bro. Okay. Like behind people's backs. Yeah. <laughs> just like stealing licks and shit. Not really stealing licks, just trying to learn the guitar. If whatever I could, wherever I could find a guitar at, like at some of my friends' house, they have a guitar line around somewhere. We'd be at a pool party or something like that. Yeah. I'd go sneak off and try to find a guitar and just be trying to play that motherfucker. Were you like one of the people at the party like that just like played the acoustic guitar and sang songs? And, like, nah, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't him. I wasn't him. I've but, been that guy before. It's uh, weird. <laughs> they got you on the commercial now then. Yeah. <laughs> right. You don't even got to know how to play guitar no more now. What is I'm that? insane, bro. It's fucking wild. What is that? Oh, that's my phone going off. Nice. Nice ringtone. <laughs> Did you hold that up to the TV and record that song? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, it's a law oh, office. That's yeah. not fucking good. No, go ahead, take that. Yeah. Like some Ohio <laughs> players going on. Let's see your legal troubles on air. Yeah, let's talk about it. Fucking <laughs> IRS. The way he was at. so quick to where I'm like, what's going? What? Uh, oh, that's my mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was looking to like pass the blame to somebody else. You can say us. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So where were we at? Oh yeah, guys at the party playing uh, acoustic guitar. That wasn't you. That wasn't me. No. Nah. Nah, I was trying to learn. I I wasn't there yet. Right. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't able to do that yet. You know, when I was coming up to, they was like, who can play 
Stairway to Heaven the best and who can play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. So I wasn't there. I was trying to get there. I was trying to be one of them to compete. And who were you listening to or or what were you listening to that was kind of inspiring you to practice? Uh, everybody, shoot, at that time. Yeah. Everybody who's playing a guitar was inspiring. I, I was listening to um, Nirvana, so the power chord stuff, because that's what I learned first is, you know, power chords. Nirvana and um, Clapton, Hendrix. But see, that stuff got a little more complex. At that time, yeah, it's a little bit more than what somebody can but it's, latch on to. But it still was like one of them things that uh, kids my age was trying to play. Yeah, totally. Like Little Wing was one of the songs that everybody was, you know how to play that, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I got thrown into that, you know, kind of uh, wormhole, rabbit hole. Yeah, there were a lot of kids. I don't know how old you're. I would assume we're probably around the same age. Um, there's uh, that era where a lot of kids were like, I, I was like so far behind the ball. I didn't start playing until I was like 14. And even then I wasn't really practicing or anything. But I had friends that were like learning the, you know, Stairway to Heaven guitar solo or like Pink Floyd tunes and and uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Hendrix stuff. And it always blew my mind how kids at that age were able to kind of get some of that stuff and make it sound like good. And I always tried to play it and I was like, I don't know what the fuck is happening here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Cause I can never get it to sound like the record did. It always just sounded like me trying to copy something. You know what I mean? Do you well, ever have that problem or were you able to kind nah, of like- Because I went and listened to the record. Right. And so I just went and listened and tried to make it sound like that as much as possible. I didn't really listen to how anybody else was doing it. No, I mean, I listened to the record, too. I wasn't, like, <laughs> only listening to kids in high school transcribe Stairway to Heaven solos. I, like, I was listening to the record, too. Okay, so what you mean. Yeah, but I was just, like, one of those, like, for me, just I was never able to, like, cop that feel. I don't know. It was always such a foreign concept to me, probably because I didn't spend the time. I just was getting high and doing dumb shit and just practice guitar in my spare time. Well, that's probably one of those things, too, uh, uh, developing that ear, too. Right. So if I know I wanted it, I knew how to emulate the sounds and stuff, you know, too, by singing. Did so it, if I knew if I didn't sound like something, I needed to work on that. Right. That's. <laughs> I guess that makes sense because you had, I guess, like the discipline of being in choir. And did, did you have lessons on piano like earlier on too? No, nah, I remember taking. I took a. Uh, I took a class, but every class always they tried to throw me in. I felt like it was going too slow. Yeah. So I never really stuck. Around. I never really learned too much. Gotcha. So, yeah, because I think that there's like a discipline that some people learn when, when they take lessons early on, and maybe some of that was for like from choir for you. Um, but like there's people that just they learn how to practice the right way and they become obsessive about getting things to sound exactly how it's played and they don't stop practicing it until they've accomplished what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And there's people like me. They just picked up a guitar and was like, that's close enough. <laughs> I, was, I was good, you know what I mean? Yes. So, yeah, yeah, that's definitely, I mean, that is still going on. People still do that all the time. Yeah, I'm the same way now. I, I yeah. have, like, no, like, I don't want to say I have no discipline. I have some discipline now as like getting older and stuff, but just it's always been one of those things where it's like, I don't need to sound just like the record. I can well, play def- close enough and then well, figure it out, you know? Definitely, I agree with that, too. Um, 
to an extent for me because uh, you should have your own spin on it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I feel like with, with I feel like uh, a lot of things, if not everything, just balance that mug out, though. No, put your spin on it, but also know how to play it. Exactly. Because the idea is when you learn it the right way, when you learn how to play it, like you're not just copying them, but you're also getting the technique that they used. You're learning how to bend the notes the right way. You're learning how to move your fingers in the right way. Exactly. And then you can take some of that and attribute it to like your own licks and like like your own thing that you're coming up with. And eventually you start to develop your own style. And then it doesn't matter what you play. It's always going to sound like you playing that thing. And that's the important part. But like not, I guess like the, like you want to fully develop your ability, your technical ability. So you can really focus on what you sound like rather than, trying to like just kind of skate by and then when it comes time like developing your own sound you're playing catch up trying to figure the technique out and all the other shit when it's like you know that should have been done already you know so um so what was it like joining your first band and and like how old were you and and who what kind of music was it uh shoot first band i was about like 15 and um, it was like blues, classic rock, man. Okay. Blues, classic rock, classic rock, blues for sure. And were so you guys was, doing covers or was it like original covers. stuff? Okay, cool. Mostly covers. Mostly covers back then. Because I was, uh, like I said, I, back then, at that age, little responsibility. I was put, putting a lot of time into, you know what I'm saying, listening to those greats and learning those songs. Like I said, it it was almost like a race to see who could play what song the best or who could play the song. Not really the best, but who could play the song. Right, know? right. But uh, so I was learning songs, you know what I'm saying, them classic songs I'd have. And so one person that stuck out to me a lot too, a couple of people really stuck out, but one that really stuck out back then was Hendrix. Yep. So I, and, and so I made a point to, to listen to his music pretty good. So... So, so at that, so you can imagine if I'm learning that shit at that age, you know what I'm saying? Motherfuckers want you to play that. They yeah, could. of course. <laughs> yeah, man. It's funny because like I recently had this conversation with a friend of ours, and um, I have been of the school of thought. For, I went through like a period where I thought Hendrix was like the greatest thing ever, and then I went through a period where I got a little snobby and was like Hendrix wasn't that great, and then. I've recently gone back and listened to like Electric Ladyland and was blown away, but by not, I mean, just the playing because, you know, it was innovative and different for the time, but also like the writing and like the way he like played chords that was so like what you hear in, in like Neo Soul and stuff now yeah, is like what him. Hendrix was doing early on before a lot of people had like adopted that style of playing, you know? Right. Yeah. Cause he took it, he took it from, uh, playing with like the Isley Brothers and stuff like that. Right. That old, that, other, that old school R&B. Right. So that's basically all Neo Soul is just like a newer sound. But you're right. He kind of did like help bridge the gap from uh, that style of playing to to like what cats be playing in Neo Soul now. Yeah, because you hear like Wind Cries Mary or like Castles Made of Sand and there's all this kind of like voice leading stuff and yeah. these inversions, you know. Um, that are now super common. You hear them in everything. But at that time, you heard it in like one style of music 
and then and then he was bringing it into this like psychedelic rock arena mm. where it's like guys like Clapton and and they were considered like you know the greats of that time were discovering Hendrix and like what the fuck is this guy doing because he took what well, I you know it made me think about it now I'm thinking from my opinion uh I feel like because some guys Clapton all them they was listening to all them blues cats exactly like Hendrix already knew them blues cats but he also knew them R&B cats. Exactly. And they ain't know them R&B cats exactly. like that. Exactly, exactly. And that's what kind of bridged the gap, I think, you know. there's. I have a lot of love for blues. Um, it was one of the early things that I got started on, but there was a lot, I think, that when those British guys were taking from that world, they got so hung up on just the blues and they didn't consider like the R&B and the other sides of it. Not too much, yeah. You know, so you hear in the in the writing even, it's like in R&B, there's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of diatonic movement, right? And then in blues, it's just 12 bar, just one, four, five type thing. So you hear that a lot with, with the, the British guys who were adopting the blues thing, but you didn't hear so much of like the other side of, of, of it. So I don't know, it's just, it was, I think that, in listening to more Hendrix and learning more about his background, you discover like the bridge that he kind of was between the R&B world, uh, the blues world, and the rock and roll world, and how he totally changed the game of music moving forward, you know? For sure. You can make the case he's like the first fusion guitar player then, because like, you know, not in the jazz sense, you know what I mean, but like taking two genres and like kind of almost creating this subgenre or elevating both independently, you know, like not like, you know, John McLaughlin did and like in the late sixties or stuff like that. No, it's an early iteration of that. Yeah. I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It de well, he definitely did. He was the first to, I feel like to mesh that R and B with like psychedelic rock. Nobody else really did that shit. And totally. You know, that kind of made me think just a second, like, you know, you almost to be a great of that time, you almost had to be fusion. Cause like, if you go look at the Beatles, they went and did like all the stuff in India and that oh, yeah. just kind of like mashed their sound up with there's nothing going on around them like that. And they're kind of up there on the top five grades. You almost almost just have to pull a bunch of different stuff together and not emulate, just create. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's what separates, you know, like the greats, the people that go down in history, I think, that changed the culture. It's 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 a new approach to, to, to music and it can be in any form of art, but like there's this kind of game-changing thing. Like you set a standard, then everybody else wants to follow that standard. So you started hearing like psychedelic bands of the 60s try to kind of cop some of that Beatles stuff with the Eastern influence um, and even like the production influence. And then you had guys that were copying Hendrix at a certain point. You know, the reason why these people stand as the, some of the greats of their generation and beyond I think is because of their contribution to the art form, you know, and maybe they, they weren't the first ones to do it, but they were the ones to get discovered doing it. And then, you know, they go down in history as the people that, that changed the game. So it's not even about musicianship or like what, how you feel about their music. It's just their general con contribution to the thing itself. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it's an interesting take for sure. Definitely. I agree. Um, so yeah, were there any uh, people that you, you kind of came up listening to that you think maybe? Uh, I want to get into this because you you had made because you had mentioned about the conversation we were having because the comment you you made on TikTok was about our uh, <laughs> our Dwayne Allman guitar solo on Layla. So I'm curious, are there like 
players that that kind of hit the uh, uh, the ether. I think that have kind of established themselves in culture throughout you know the world. Are there players in that realm that, that maybe it didn't hit you in the same way, or that you think maybe um, get too much credit for things? Well, I wouldn't really <laughs> want to say somebody getting too much credit, but uh, um, you were talking about a, a specific solo. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if we was talking about that now, that be might might be a little different. But when you say artist, though, that that might be. A, I'm gonna have to think about that for a little bit. So what solo do you think where you're like, that you hear and you're like, it's an iconic solo, but you're like, I don't really see it. Man. Um, <clears throat> that Van Morrison sax solo, one of them songs. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, let's, guitar, guitar, let's, let's stay guitar. It could be any solo, but yeah, if you want to stick with, with guitar, we could do that. Man. It might be a lot, man. Yeah, there. I'm sure. Yeah, there's so many. We had a lot of people comment about uh, what was uh, the Living Color solo. Oh, uh, people outside driving through. Sorry, guys. New space. House is loud. That's tight. <laughs> I'll be honest, but um, you talking about um. Uh, In that song, cult, cult, cult personality. personality, yeah, yeah, cult of personality, yeah. I haven't heard that solo in a while, but I mean, I feel like Vernon Reed thinks he's a guitar player. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he just did a lot of shit on that solo. He yeah, just, I mean, just, just just did a lot of shit that didn't really too much make sense. I just feel like he just wanted to hit a bunch of notes fast. Yeah, that happens a lot. But I can't really remember that solo, and one reason is because when I first heard it, I just thought that, like, oh, he's just trying to just hit a whole bunch of solos. Right. A whole bunch of notes. Right. <laughs> yeah, it happens a lot, especially in that era, man. I think that there's a lot of people that were, um, there was just, like, this shred thing happening. Right. That I think people Who can were, shred the fastest and who can shred the best and stuff. And the technology at the time wasn't, like, somebody can just solo <laughs> one track, whereas like now you can do that after the fact. But at that time, if you fit it, if you fit it in the mix properly, it could, it's passable, you know? Yeah, most know. So it's interesting how some of the, these solos people consider iconic come back later on and we're like, that was actually shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I ain't never say, say out loud that, it, you know, that the, the man solo was bad, so. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I don't, I can't recall the solo, so I don't, I don't know for sure. But to me, it's got like two parts. Like the first part's super wanky, like it just a ton of notes. Then he gets into this almost like Jeff Beck esque, like kind of bending and whammy bar thing that where he's like trying to be more expressive. So like, I don't know if that was like you know try to tie it into the song at all with like a, a fast and slow part. But other than those two sections, I'm with you. I can't, I can't tell the two apart. Yeah. I got to do, I ran lights for him once and he did damn near the same thing, if not note for note. So it, I doubt he wrote it, but maybe he's played it so many times it's that he's able to recreate it. I don't know, but he likes it. Yeah. <laughs> he's committed to it. I'll give him that much, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, all right. So when you're like, uh, when you're, 
in in high school and you're like going through you know your first band experience and you know like what's that experience like and when do you kind of start to get yourself plugged into the like the scene like because you're from jacksonville right st augustine st augustine okay but but you know what i'm saying i went to school basically kind of on the line okay jacksonville, so gotcha so, so i was doing a playing at bars actually around like 15 started playing at bars but they were around like the Jacksonville area. They weren't in St. Augustine. Okay. And so was this with the band that you were in in high school or were you getting hired to play out with like different bands around town at this point? Yeah, this was, this was like the band because I knew some cats that were in a grade that, that were older than me that had a pretty popular blues band and they were playing in spots. So I'd come out and like sit in and stuff like that. Okay. But the band that I was playing, we were doing like tailgates and stuff because we were still, I mean, I was still like 15, 14 years old, so. Right, right. And can can, um, can you kind of speak to the experience that you gained with the older cats letting you sit in and just kind of have that live performance experience in that setting? I mean, did they ask you to like do grunt work for them? Like what kind of experience was that for you? And how did it set the tone for you moving forward? Um. And actually, really, I don't even think, now that I think about it, they really didn't let me sit in. I just kind of went and watched. I did start playing. My band did play a couple bar gigs. Okay. Where we were just playing full four-hour gigs. You know what I'm saying? And um, or three or four or three-hour gigs. But they thought I was older because I was playing all that, old, that classic rock and stuff. Right. Blues. Right. And... um. Yeah, how you? How were you guys able to get those gigs? I, yeah, it's funny you asked that. I'm thinking about it now. Um, I really, I really don't remember how how that was possible. Really, I think they just thought we were older. Yeah, that's wild. Because the guys that I were in the band with were old, were older, but they were you know the greater two, or, you know. It was like seventeen, eighteen, not like twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, not like twenty one, twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. But we somehow got them damn gigs. I don't know. How the <laughs> motherfuckers got them gigs. <laughs> Maybe their parents hooked right. it up. Right, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You see a lot of kids like that. They get yeah. like parents to kind of like the. Yeah, had those parents. Then a lot of those kids had those parents. Those monitors and stuff like that. Yeah, I had those parents. Yeah, like no, nah, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My dad was, uh, my dad came up, like my dad played in bands all around South Florida and toured and did all kinds of stuff. And um, uh, I love my dad to death. A, a huge, uh, you know, great human being didn't do fuck all to help me get plugged in with playing music <laughs> in any capacity. It's kind of hilarious. Um, but uh, yeah, but there's, but you come up with people that are like that, like that, that have those parents that are super involved that want to like book the gigs and buy all the fancy gear and like help their children, like just kind of get to that Excel, next level. Yeah. And it's cool, but there's also like an element where they, they don't get to do a lot of things like they don't have a lot of experiences dealing with people like one-on-one. Like I'm sure there's a lot of scenarios that you had to kind of um, endure without having that barrier, right? Like dealing with club owners and dealing with bar managers and, oh, yeah. and people just like, you know, oh, yeah. unruly uh, patrons and stuff like that. So what were kind of like your early experiences with that, with this band? Um, Really not not I didn't really start uh, experiencing too much of that because when I got after the my cover band kind of disbanded, which we had some originals though. My first band was uh, 
Cat was called Cat Daddy. Cat Daddy. First original band. Oh, I mean, man. we were doing we were doing uh, covers, but I also had some original tunes that I wrote, and we put them down, recorded them actually. Um, and again, those were like classic rock. You know what I'm saying? Bluesy, classic rock, soulful. Because uh, I had, you know, Led Zeppelin, listening to all that kind of stuff. So putting all that kind of in the music, Incubus. Oh, yeah. Started to come about. After that band broke up, the next band I did was all original. Okay. And we were, that's when I was like 16. Okay. And uh, and this is where kind of like you start this, putting these songs to like real work. This where, you know, we were playing at Jack Rabbits. It was a place downtown called um, shit. I, there was a bunch of places they had that's not there no more, man. I was playing those bits though, sixteen, playing original shows. Yep. Um, what was that place called? Imperial, the Imperial. Okay. Voodoo Lounge. I mean, the voodoo uh, shoes, some of them, I can't even remember. But we was playing them up like 16, yeah. original, all original. So, and that stuff, by the time I got in that that band, you know, I was pretty much seasoned. And you're playing guitar in this band? Sing, and singing. And, and singing, okay, cool. And so the other guys, were you guys all writing together or were you like majority writer of this? Majority writer because... I was writing my ass off. Okay. There wasn't nobody writing like like me like that. Right. I was I, when I learned how to play guitar, it I was just started writing. You're right. You know what I'm saying? So I already had songs coming to the table. So what I did was just let them put they take on it, they spin on it, whatever they wanted to add, and we kind of made it our own. Which okay. kind of we do that a little bit now would, would would be easy too. I still I had I came to the band with with songs. So okay, cool. And what was kind of like the band dynamic at that point? Were you, obviously you're one of the main writers, but were you like booking the gigs also and you were like doing all that stuff or somebody else was handling not at, that? Not at that point, yeah. I had another guitar player. Again, I was still to those bands where we had momagers. Okay, yeah. You know what I'm saying? My, uh, my other guitar player, like his parents were very into what they were doing, so they were getting a lot of that stuff. Yeah, so I wasn't dealing with any of that then. Okay. Okay. Uh, I didn't start dealing with that until after that. Right, right. You know and so, and this is all like kind of classic rock, blues influenced stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. When I got to this band, though, it kind of that's when we was listening to Incubus and okay. all kind of you know Chili Peppers and a lot. You know, we started getting a little bit more uh, heavier. But I kept that soul singing. It was kind of like Led Zeppelin meets. Uh, Led Zeppelin meets Almond Brothers, Otis Redding type shit. Wow. Do you guys have anything recorded? I'd love to hear that. We do have recorded, bro, but I don't have any of it. Oh, no shit. <laughs> Somebody has it. Right. Somebody has But we had the dueling guitars because we was two lead guitars. Hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? And um, Any of those guys still working around town? No. Nah, no? No. Nah. They got smart um, and got real jobs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of them, they actually continued to play after uh, I might have been ousted. Okay. You know what I'm saying? After I was ousted. So you were ousted from the band? I don't want to say it like that, but pretty much. They made a collective decision. I didn't feel that. I didn't. I did, yeah, to move on because I think at the time, I think we were talking to a label, man. Oh, really? And uh, But it started getting into some financial bullshit. Okay. Some money shit, like with the the writing shit. Yeah. Credits. And I don't think that um, 
<clears throat> the guys were feeling the splits, you know, because the guy, the, the manager that we were saying was saying that the writer, obviously, and at the time, I didn't know I could just step in and say, oh, no, let's just all oh, motherfucking split it down the end. I, I didn't know I could say that. Of course, then. yeah. So I was like, oh, shit, I didn't know that shit. I was like, oh, well, it makes sense. I did write a damn song. <laughs> right, right. So I was, you know, so I was back then, I was like, that makes sense. So I didn't say anything, but the guys, I could tell that they were salty about it. Yeah, well, it's a weird thing to balance, right? Because when you start to get into the legality and the paperwork of the whole thing, it starts to become very obvious who deserves what. Because you start to realize, like, like definitionally what things mean. So, okay, well, if you contributed a baseline or you contributed a drum part, or you contributed a guitar line. It's like there's there's ways where we can incorporate like production or arrangement kind of contributions, but if you but you didn't write the song. Right. Right. And that's kind of where definitionally things get a little weird because if you're all talking about it beforehand, it's like we're gonna make it big, we're all gonna get equal splits across the board. Well that was blah blah. That wasn't talked about either, though. Oh, I wasn't talking about So nobody about was talking about, oh, it's going to be eaten. Nobody talked about because we didn't, nobody was, we were 16, 17. Right. Nobody didn't talk about royalties. Right. I guess they were thinking since we were a band, by us being a band, everything's just straight down the middle. But our manager was talking to Sony and was like, hey, look, he's going to get a bigger cut because he's the sole writer of the song. And the guys were right then and there. It wasn't no wait. Right then and there, I could tell that they didn't like the situation. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a lot for someone to take in, especially, especially six, six, 17 years old, yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, you guys didn't make it through that period, Hell right? nah, man. It sucks, too, because we, we we had something that that wasn't being heard, bro. Yeah. Two lead guitar players and a, and a, and a soulful singer on that bitch playing, like, that style of music, Zeppelin, Meets fucking Chili Peppers, meets you know what I'm saying, Almond Brothers type shit, Otis Redding type shit. <laughs> like what the fuck? So they we disbanded, but the manager told me, um, and I had no hard feelings, still have no hard feelings to this day. But I look at it hindsight and was like, we could have been something. That could have been something fucking bad, badass. Yeah. If we would have just kept, if we would have had a different, uh, if we could have just talked about things. But um, because it was a cold, it was no one said, "Hey, you know, someone just came to me from the band was like, hey, look, we've been practicing without you,' type shit." Oh, they did tell you that. Somebody from the band. Oh, damn, yeah. that's that's gotta hurt a little bit. At, a, at that age, you know what I'm saying? I already had tough skin. Yeah. So that's the thing, you know what I'm saying? I went to a to a predominantly white school, but they didn't know my other side. Right. <laughs> and I didn't ever really let that be known either. Yeah. But I had tough skin, so it didn't really, I didn't cry about it. I was just like, damn, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. Yeah. I was like, but, oh well, I'll just have to do something else. And the the manager at the time was like, hey, because he was just talking to me because everybody, I still was talking to him, keeping in contact. He was like, you should just, Find some of your brothers, man, back at home. Tell them what's the deal. You right. You need some players to play behind you and just lead the thing. And ever since he told me that, that's what I, that's kind of what journey I was on. So what was the next thing after that? So this band falls apart. You take his word. Yeah. And then what happens next? Bam. I hit St. Augustine because I wasn't in St. Augustine, but that's my hometown. Okay. But I, I, I wasn't 
I never was out there like that in the bars and stuff. Right, right. So I took it to St. Augustine because I took some classes, night classes, and uh, just did what he said. Found some brothers. He was talking about some homies that I went to church with or something that I chilled with in the street or something out in St. Augustine. So that's what I did. And uh, sure enough, found two homeboys. One, one, one of the cats I already knew, the other one I didn't know but just met because he let my uh, – my, my homie on the base told me about him. So he was like, you need to holler, we need to holler at him. So I started a three-piece. Okay. And these boys, it's just like you said, some stay in the church. These boys were still in the church hard. But I, I was on a mission to not really pull them from the church. I didn't want to pull them from the church. But I was on a mission to get some players from the church to play with me. Some people that I got the same background as me. Totally. Totally. That was my mission. I wasn't thinking about pulling them from the church, but ultimately that's what it was doing. So it was, you can see it was going to be a power struggle there. Of course, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So, but not really with those guys. I mean, it was actually. It was a power struggle. But some guys, those guys that I was with, shout out to Will, my drummer now, and BZ. Oh, he's no one of shit. The guys. Okay. Um, they, they, did, they went through the We went through the fights, man, and uh, the struggle, the power struggle of church and secular music. It's a, it's a wild thing, man, because I never understood that, you know, until I started working at Sam Ash down in Miami, and it was like I met this pedal steel player. Um, this is at the time, like, Roosevelt's really starting to blow up, right? So you got guys like Chris Johnson following behind and playing with the Lee boys while Roosevelt's going off and doing other shit. You got, like, more guys coming up, and I'm like, oh, it's dope, man. Who you play with around town? Oh, just the church. I mean, you don't play with anybody else? Like, <laughs> play with anybody? No. And I was like... <laughs> It hit me. I started asking guys around the store about it and other people, and they were like, oh, yeah, these dudes don't leave the church, bro. Uh -huh. It's like it's like, it's like like you don't do that kind of shit. And the thing is, is, bro, I came from St. Augustine, and that shit's going on. So if that's happening there, which is basically pretty much Jacksonville. Kinda. Yeah. I mean, it ain't, but it is. It's just an extension. Yeah. Same thing going on in Jacksonville, going on in St. Augustine, just on a smaller scale. Right. So, but... And you can see it because that shit is happening in St. Augustine still to this day. And it's still happening. I feel a, a slight change. There has been a change. There has been a change with that. And it's still changing, though, because there's still those that aren't going to step out of the church. Yeah, the change isn't going to happen overnight, but I think no. you definitely see guys that more are... More and more. Yeah, because it's more like and more. more and more. you know, And because I think there is... There's the, I think that everybody, is, the churches and, and everyone outside are starting to see the, um, the value in having exposure to different styles of music and not just the exposure, but like the implementation of different styles of music into the music experience. So whether you're at the church or whether you're at a concert somewhere or at a bar, it's like the amalgamation of your experiences uh, with different genres come like comes through and it appeals to more people you know so, so, it's, so. It's, if you're especially if you're a church and your whole thing is to get more people on board wouldn't you want to just musically and culturally expose expose people to something that they might be more familiar with than you know secular music or non-secular you know what i mean like church music gospel and stuff like that yeah so like yeah so what was that? Was this the first iteration of Be Easy or was this like a different thing? Different thing. Okay. And what would you guys call this project? Uh, it was, that was going by uh, Solo and the Beat. 
solo and the beat. Yeah. And um man, it, we took Senox in my eyes by storm, the music scene. Cause it was nothing like us. Yeah. <laughs> you can just imagine it's like we coming out in this St. Augustine out in them bars out there. Yeah. Trade wins and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, we three black black dudes coming out. Hey, what these motherfuckers about to play? Yeah, they're and used we to come out there, Skinner every and we single come night. out there turning heads, playing everything from Hendrix to Skinner to you name it, you know, Muddy Waters to BB King. You know, they was like, Oh shit, what the fuck? Yeah, you know, because I was I was showing these boys from the church though, because they ain't really heard none of this stuff. I'm showing them what I learned in middle school. I'm listening to the Beatles. I'm listening to every, I'm, by that time. By the time I met them, I was I was listening to. I mean, there was uh, there was so much music I already knew by that time. Right, and they were just kind of getting exposed to all this. Yeah, stuff. they ain't never heard of none of them. So yeah. a lot of time, I ain't never take the time to tell them who it was or what it was. I just say, hey, play this, and. I sang it and because they could, that's how we learned in a lot of churches. Hey, play this or do this. You know, I could play it my mom, you know, just do this beat. Right. And <laughs> hey, just play this to that to that right now. Right. And they'll be, they might be, they'll do it, but they might not know what it is. But I'll put it there, you know, some some 12 bar blues might be a church, church, a church sounding song to them. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I'd throw some muddy water with lyrics over that mug. Now we got something. The right. crowd loves you. They know. They know it. They ain't know what they what they might not have known, but they're playing. They ass off the shit I told them to play, which is just some churchy sounding shit, really. And especially like on some of the blues <laughs> stuff, man. Because like I've done, I played in a blues band for a long time, and we would when we had to like the the drummer or like our full time drummer was a church guy that you know left the church, but he would if he had to sub out, he'd bring in other church guys. And then you try and tell them to play like a shuffle. They're doing like a 12 8 kind of like <laughs> fucking. It sounds cool, but it's not the blues. Right. So the band leader's having a fucking fit up there. And I'm sitting there like cracking up, just like, this sounds good to me, bro. Get fuck around. <laughs> but like, it's funny because like, it's just, but it's also cool because it makes it a different thing, right? It, it, and that's what, but then it's like, those guys start to get exposed to more music and learn more of the stuff and the chops right. and like all the stuff just kind of. If you can incorporate it, yeah, it can be a monster. Totally. You know what I'm saying? But I was dealing with that back then, bro. I had a, a cousin of mine who played keys. I wanted a keyboard player because I was tired of just being three piece. I wanted to relax and concentrate on singing, you know what I'm saying? A little bit rather than just, I got to play guitar all the time in three piece pretty much, you know? Right. I tried to get him, boy. That was one I couldn't get. Yeah. Those keys players are the hardest ones, man. Right. They're supposed to, yeah. yeah. I couldn't get him. Um, also, too, you know, it's, I think, you know, shoot, I don't know, man. A lot of, all, both of those boys' parents were pastors, too. Mm. We talking about pastors churn, churn. Not just regular old church folks. Pastors churn. Right. So it's going to be real hard for them. So you can imagine what their parents thought of me. Of course, yeah. <laughs> You're like a devil <laughs> coming at them, trying to pull them away from their family but and the I church. But I wouldn't know, man. I was really just trying to broaden their horizon as musicians and get the hell up out of Dodge. Of course. That's yeah. what I was trying and, and do something with our talent. I wasn't trying to, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't trying, you know, I wasn't trying to do that. Them boys going, you know, what you fail to realize in religion, I feel like, because I was deep in it, in it is that, we all got good and bad up in us. 
The devil, ain't no finding the devil. Nobody, ain't nobody gonna show you the devil. It's already up in you. So, you know what I'm saying? When they be talking about, oh, going out there, you know, and playing and the devil, you know, and being in the devil's, you know, I feel like we all got that up in this. Totally. Both good and bad. So, it ain't, I ain't like I showed them nothing they ain't already know. Right, right, <laughs> right. So, I was just really about that music, man. It wasn't about, you know, taking anybody away. But, and it, t- but it took time, it took practice, and it took playing out to broaden your horizon. It took different listening to different types of music to totally, do that, totally, and to become a better player. Because I feel like if you, the more music you know, I feel like the better player you can be if you're trying to play with other players and play other music. You know what I'm saying? It's, the more, it's, you, the more you know. It's important, man. I mean, it's it's super important. Like I've I've talked to um, guys out there that are kind of setting their ways and and do what they do and, it, and it's like okay that's cool and like in in that scenario you're comfortable but then you go and play with people in a different scenario and then you hate it right because you don't know what to do and does that feel good to you because music is supposed to be fun at the end of the day right so if you can't engage in the conversation is it fun for you and then why do you want to have most musical experience be not fun right because if you can do one thing that's fine, but most of the time you're not going to be doing that one thing, which means most experiences within music are going to be really shitty for you, right? right? So then why not try to learn as much as you possibly can, at least on a, on a fundamental level, so you can sit in and, and at least have a conversation, right? you know, and, then, yeah. and then that way it's fun. It because, like you've, you're, you're comfortable, you broaden your horizons, you can have a conversation, you can get in and be creative, but it's, that's the whole thing, right, is that you want to be as as in the know as possible so you have less of those uncomfortable interactions exactly where you don't know what the hell is going on yeah man but that's that's what it was and no but those cats though shout outs to them because they they really want that's what it was they really want they love the music too right and they wanted to do it too so were you guys writing in this project um again it was like i was the so i was writing like i mean i was writing machine bro yeah i still like i just Cause I was been that's the thing I've been writing since I was playing when I first started playing keys. Like so I've been writing since I was six, seven, bro. Starting like poems and then turn them, seeing how poems were the same as songs, real quick. Yeah. And then I just started writing songs. That's awesome. Playing keys, so I, writing songs was real easy to me. So I ain't had time to be waiting on no nobody. Right. <laughs> if I can just do it already and just have it already, but definitely work together. And I'm down with people putting in into it and creating something. But at the time, yeah, I was solely writing. But we were doing more, mostly covers. Right, so pays the bills around here. <laughs> yeah, at that time, that, at that time too, man, because we didn't want to work, you know, I was working, we was working, shoot, me and we were working at Dunkin' Donuts, we worked Denny's, you know, we, ain't, we didn't want to work them kind of jobs. Yeah, totally. You know, so we was like, man, we got, I was like, I gotta do something. I know I was like, I gotta do, we, I do something different. Yeah. I got to learn these songs. We got to get some gigs. Yeah. So at that time, it wasn't no trying to learn no originals because we were trying to work without having to work at these uh, spots like that. Right, right. Because you can make in a night or two nights what you make in a week at right. those places, you know. Um, not back then, though. Really? Yeah, not like in, not like that. I wouldn't say that. I mean, Hundred dollars a gig was a normal back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
But even so, like if you, I guess so, yeah, yeah. You're if right. you're doing Dunkin' Donuts forty hours a week at minimum wage, when minimum wage is like like you know, two hundred, yeah, it's two hundred something dollars. Yeah, you know, you're doing two two hundred dollar gigs, you know, in a week, and sometimes you could double up right in a day, and then you could do that in a day. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I mean, it's easy, and also it's just like if you can, I'm a big believer, and if you can keep your eyes on the prize and just utilize the bar gigs as you would a day job, and then stay creative and write and keep pursuing the other thing. Right then, it's it's the perfect day job to have because you make your own schedule. Definitely was it, doing that. You know, if you gotta cancel shit, you call another band and be on deck with another band ready to cover you. You gotta cancel. It's just it's easy, you know. Definitely. So, um, how long did that band last for? How long were you guys playing bars and doing stuff and writing? And then when did that dissipate? Five, six, seven. Um, it went on until I joined uh, Be Easy around like. 2012 okay something like that 2013 and uh at that period i wasn't i was only booking a little bit for my trio so it doing i do i started i was only playing like solo shows at okay. that time and uh so and i had already told the guys like i was because i got burned out like you say of but i was doing you know booking gear Breaking down, setting up, you know, writing and uh, all that stuff, you know, weddings and all that stuff going down. So I just got kind of burned out from that. So I just started doing solo stuff here and there or mainly for uh, for booking. And then I was hit up because uh, my dog Will knew I was tired of that shit. I was burned out. So he was like, bro, this band, you know, I got this band. You should, you should try it out. They trying to uh, have a guitar player, a singer. So fucking went in, tried it out, and that was be easy. That's how be easy got started, pretty much the way that it is that we know it of. But it be easy was before me. That's what I'm saying. Right. Like it was already. I think it was a three piece or whatever. They came from St. Louis or, the, or uh, somewhere in uh, Illinois. Oh, okay. As a three piece. Wow. They moved to Jacksonville from Illinois. Yeah. No shit. What was the? Do you know the reasoning behind that? Uh, I think just to get away from where they were at, I think. Okay. You know, a lot of people, I used to live over there in that area. So I feel like too, probably a lot of people over there, they feel, you know, it's almost like paradise over here. Yeah. That's what they was talking about. And I, I don't blame them because they ain't got beaches around there. Right. Stuff like that. So was it, it was like Springfield. I think it was a place called Carbondale. Carbondale. It was from a place called Carbondale. Okay. But I, uh, I was, when I was there, I was, in, I went to Springfield, I was in Springfield. Yeah, it's just on the other side of St. Louis, so I just no, 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 no. I wasn't in Illinois. I was in Missouri, which is that that tri that tri-state, yeah, or whatever. I was in Illinois, which I've drove through all that stuff. Right, right. Yeah. So, what was like when you first joined Be Easy? Was it like because you guys for a long time been doing the the cover circuit and bar stuff and wedding stuff, but you guys are you consider Be Easy to be an original band, right? Um. Yeah, shoot, there ain't no other band like us. Yeah, I mean that's for sure. <laughs> you guys are like, <laughs> but you guys are writing and and like you you guys yeah. put out music and you do that yeah. and you've done some touring and stuff. Definitely. Yeah. So was it more of that when you first joined the band, or were you guys were there? Were we kind of heavy on the bar circuit and wedding circuit? When we you were trying. That was the that was the point when I first joined the band. The point of the band was to do more like weddings and stuff. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Corporate stuff. But it turned into, obviously, it turned, we started playing bars. 
and stuff like that. Now it's more so we're doing more corporate stuff now. Right. Less bar stuff now. Right. But now that gives us time to free up to write and stuff. Yeah, you play less gigs, make more money and shit. Right. So what's the creative process not, like now with the band? Are you still, would you consider yourself like the sole songwriter? Nah, um, we try to do everything uh, more together, but as me and the other singer, we are pretty much the sole writers. Aaron? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Aaron. You know, so we are pretty much the sole writers, but, um, but you know, you never know. Sometimes he might already have a song down or I might already have one and bring it to the table. Yeah. Or already just started writing. Right now it's kind of like we have, we'll, we'll, we'll make some music and then he'll write a verse and, and I'll write the other verse or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I'm excited to hear what you guys are going to be putting out. Um, How is this band different from like the past projects that you've been in as far as the writing process? Obviously now it's more collaborative, but as far as like just the gigs that you're doing, the music you're playing, and and the and the writing, and just the goals overall, and the dynamics within the band, because that obviously has a big role in it, right? Uh, yeah. Um, I I will always say this band. I call it Frankenstein Band because we were just kind of put together some good players, some you know what I'm saying, and made it work. So, I my past wasn't like wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. I don't think. And this was a lot more pieces, yeah. too. So you guys were what, like nine pieces in full uh, form? Uh, I think so. Seven, eight, seven or like eight. That. Yeah, yeah. That shit's fucking wild. Yeah. You have a full horn section. Yeah. Who plays horns with you guys? Um, well, we usually just do a double horn. Um, Darren Escar on sax, and uh, Rob Bidwell on trumpet. Okay, yeah, yeah. Or Jaron Walker on on sax too. Okay, cool. Hell yeah. So sometimes we do the double sax, trumpet, you know. So and other times we use the trombone player too as well. Damn, hell yeah. Um, and so what's some of the stuff that you guys are doing that you do like on the side? Because you do you write your own stuff, you production work, right? Yeah. So what are some of the things you've been doing outside of that? And I'm curious as to like, you know, I'm very big on on production stuff and 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 how people are kind of like how those are those deals are structured, right? Because you'll write songs for different artists. They might record it and play it, but like you might be getting credits on the production side or whatever it might be. So like can you talk to some of what the business is like on that end and kind of the stuff that you're doing, different artists and stuff? Um well, what you mean, like, as far as, uh, what do you mean? I don't get what you're saying as far as. So are, are you writing songs, like, for you mainly or for other artists? Oh, yeah, me me mainly. For you mainly, okay. Um, I've recently, though, I've, I'm doing a collaboration with an artist, another artist from another band. Okay. But uh, I wrote the song, but, again, he put, I let him put his verse, verse down on it. Gotcha, okay. So it's more like a collaboration feature type shit. Gotcha. But, yeah, I mostly write for just me in the band right now okay cool cool and i've seen that you've done like session work for people right like as far as a guitar player and stuff goes mm, for sure um what are some what's kind of that experience like for you because i've i'm always like if i have the time to do it by myself it's like it's easy you know you can like sit there and take as many takes as you need but have you been in a scenario where it's like you're on the clock you're in the studio and it's like you're hearing the song for the first time and it's like you got to go so what's that like for you? Um, I like those. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. 
I like this. It's a rush for me. Um, but I just kind of person I am, kind of spontaneous. Yeah. So if I I feel like if I'm spontaneous, then I can kind of go with that spontaneous shit. Yeah. But so I'm I'm the guy for that. Okay. If I ain't even heard a song, yeah, I'm not. If you want somebody to come throw some guitar on it real quick, I don't have a problem with it. Like guitar soloing or comping yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Have you, do yeah, you read no music problem. at all? Nah. No, you just hear it and you just got it. Mm. Hell yeah. I mean, I'm not like, uh, I mean, I can read tabs or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like some sheet some, music. No. So if you walk in and somebody's like, here's a sheet music, Hell nah. go, you're just like, nah, fuck that. Nah, just throw the motherfucking uh, chord letters up that bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely of that. Do that. Want some more? Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah, let's do it. Give me a little bit. That bull. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on, Doc. We got Melody featured on the podcast today. Uh, she's decided to make herself comfortable. So, um, yeah, man, I like, I love doing studio work. I love production stuff. I love like hearing people record their parts and trying to help them craft the right part. Super into all that stuff. Um, and I've gotten infinitely better at, you know, the anxiety of seeing that red button go off, you know, but like if, if to me, it's one of those things where I want to be prepared walking in or just send me a track and let me do it by myself so I can like get in the headspace. Because if, if, if I walk into a studio and I'm on your dime and we got like two or three takes to get it, that shit's going to make me so fucking like just nerve wracked and like not <laughs> able to concentrate. Yeah, you know? man. Um, but you like that. I like that, but because I can, you I can, can say because you're better than me. I ain't gonna say, <laughs> yeah. I ain't gonna say that. I ain't gonna say that. I'm not a pussy. I'm not, I'm uh, not I ain't gonna scared. say that. I, don't, I, I can't even say that. I ain't never really heard you play like, uh, all the way like that anyway. So I don't try to look and see who's better anyway. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. We all do our own thing at our own speed. So totally, yeah, yeah. I ain't trying to be. I ain't trying to be better than nobody. I'm trying to just be better than myself. Exactly. The yeah. Next, the next, the next phase of myself. But um, nah, it's because I'm just like I said. It's just just the environment that I was grew up in in the mu in the music world, which was like my family weren't musicians. So when they threw me in church and stuff, in a lot of situations, I had to just they threw me in, and I just had to catch on and follow. Yeah. So that that helped me a lot. So that's why I don't. I, I like those challenges, and I'm and I usually can knock it out. I don't, it don't it don't take me too much. Yeah, it don't take me too much. That's awesome. But I also do like the other way as well. So it, either way, yeah, I like it either way. I do like going by myself in the own pace. But how I know I can do it the other way because I've done it, so I know I can do it the other way too. Right, right, right. But at my own pace, like you said, at the house that's golden for me too. It's a, yeah to me because I, I I like to. For studio stuff, I like to write solos out. If I'm playing live, I'm much more of an improviser. I hate playing composed parts. But in a studio, I like to know what I'm going to play. That way I have like a starting point and a clear end goal. Otherwise, if I don't, if we leave it up to like imp- improv the whole time, I, I could take a million takes and not like any of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. I'm, that's, that's awesome you're able to do it that way. All right, guys, this episode's brought to you by Best Buds CBD Store. If you're like me, maybe THC isn't always the right high for you. Or maybe the legal status of THC has you a bit hesitant to indulge. 
So at Best Bud CBD store, they have an array of CBD and Delta 8 THC products. These guys truly care about their service. So everything is meticulously sourced and prepared to deliver a top-notch product and experience. If you head to their website, you'll find all kinds of educational information regarding Delta THC and CBD. Uh, not to mention if you use promo code BOTBPOD, that's B-O-T-B-POD, you'll save 10% on your order. This is not a one-time deal. If you use promo code BOTBPOD, every time you place an order with Best Buds, uh, it will give you 10% off. That's in perpetuity forever. So head over to bestbudscbdstore.com and start saving on all of your CBD and Delta A products. Enjoy, guys. Are you a fan of dog parks? Well, how about drinking? Because at Canine Social, you can quite literally do both. Located in Jacksonville's Riverside neighborhood, Canine Social offers both indoor and outdoor dog parks with plenty of space for your fur babies to socialize and exercise. Canine Social also has a wide array of local and regionally brewed craft beers on tap, as well as kombucha, nitro coffee, and wine if beer just isn't your thing, like me. Uh, they also offer unparalleled dog training programs with the best in-class trainers of Jet Set University and luxury boarding services as well. Be sure to head to their website at caninesocial.com to find out all the info you need to be sure you and your pup have the best experience available at Canine Social. All right, guys, I want to take a second to talk to you about my favorite music store in Jacksonville. This is Mock Shop Music Exchange. It's a place for true gearheads. They work with some of the most boutique pedal companies on the market, which for someone like me is super important. I love supporting smaller brands, but I also like being able to create my own unique sound. And with the variety of boutique brands these guys work with, it's almost certain you'll find that sound. They not only carry an assortment of pedals, amps, and guitars, they also offer top-notch gear repair with everyone's favorite tech, Mikey. These guys have come through for me in a pinch more than on a few occasions, and I won't spend my money anywhere else. So make sure you guys check out Mock Shop Music Exchange in the Murray Hill neighborhood of Jacksonville. You will not regret it. Super knowledgeable, amazing gear. Check it out and enjoy the experience. So. Um, Chris, did we get any bottom line news stuff? See what we got. So we have a segment called Bottom Line News, and we basically just talk, like pick an article about music industry happenings, news within it, and just seeing, uh, oh boy, Canadian woman suing beverage company after causing 15 million in damage, leaving a Marilyn Manson concert. Mm. What the mm, fuck? Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Canadian woman convicted of impaired driving is now trying to sue the beverage company who served her at... That's insane. What? Ovations and its employees served, I don't know what that says, uh, when they knew she was already intoxicated. Lease. Lease. I guess. The company failed to provide bouncers to monitor the state. That's insane. <laughs> company failed to check her intended mode. Oh, my God. This is some fucking Canadian shit, bro. Yeah, this does yeah. not fly in America. <laughs> yeah, no way. <laughs> Hell no. I can't hear you. Oops. There we go. Um, I was wondering if it was a Marilyn Manson hit piece. Like if they're, because, you know, he, they. He's um, in trouble, yeah. Yeah, hot, hot, you know, water right now. Yeah, and for like, real? Almost just, yeah. yeah he's like, getting me too hardcore. Big oh. time. And he, so, like, I wonder. deserves it, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's. Kind of a scumbag piece of shit. Yeah. Um, but I I just kind of wondered like 
is are they going after anything even close to the name association? Because like that feels pretty weak, you know, going after something like I just, I, I don't know the laws in Canada, so I can't say like, th- if there's any grounds for this at all. It just seems like yeah, it seems like quite a reach, and uh, I mean I don't know, man. That's that's wild. Like, could you imagine? getting pulled over for a DUI and then trying to tell the cop, like, it's not my fault. It's Venny's fault for not checking my drinking levels or, or like what I'm trying to, that seems like, that seems so wild. Let me yeah. just add to this in the first part. Um, she drove into a house, severed a gas line. The house blew up and blew up four houses around it. Yeah. So what? it's not your average DUI, like yeah. you know, sleeping at a stop sign or something. Oh like, shit. No, that's no, it's, it's some shit. No one died. You know? Fucking no one died. Damn. No one died. So that's good. Well, that's good. But four houses around it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's fucking wild. What else we got in that little right. email um, thing? Is this one's fucking lame? Well. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see. Uh, TikTok tastemaker Ari Elkins joins Ava. Oh no, I don't want to hear about any CEO transfers of power. Um. Madonna, she's still relevant. Is that cool? I don't care about her celebration tour. Sold out 36 <laughs> dates. Good for her. Now, what about Kendrick? Kendrick's on. Kendrick Lamar tracks leak on Spotify, YouTube, and Deezer. Mm. I mean, like, who leaked them? Did he leak them? <laughs> Let's right. find out. There's not just not as much hype after Damn. Like, he released a whole album, and I didn't even realize it. And I was like, oh, shit. There's a another Kendrick album out? Oh. Right. I think a lot of these guys, what they do is, and I, I'm just speculating here, but they get all of this like hype and fame after like a huge release for them. And then they just stop doing the, like not the creative work, obviously, but the work on the other end where it's like, like the marketing stuff where they think that they can just ride off of their previous wave. I'm not sure that's how it works, especially now when there's literally a hundred thousand songs being uploaded to streaming platforms every single day. Yeah. So crazy. Uh, needless to say, though, that and what does that say, Chris? I can't so read. So it. it's a, needless to say, though, that basically this unknown identified individual. Oh, uh, so he didn't track. leak it? No. So someone leaked it, and oh. it's it's getting it. You know, it's kind of we've talked about this a little bit with Spotify, but so much is going up daily that like the artists not being able to regulate their own stuff is. I mean, that's a massive industry. It's not like. I guess what's crazy is like it didn't, it didn't go on SoundCloud. It didn't get put up on YouTube or something. Like it got on the streaming services. Right. Somebody. Like how did it get past all his management, his marketing teams? It's, his it's a PR play. That's what they do because it's like it's like PR people will fucking sit there and like have their whoever they represent do some wild shit and then have it recorded and be like and leak it to like TMZ or whatever and then it's like. It's like to them, to, to the PR person, it's like just work now. It doesn't even matter if it makes your artists look good or bad. It's the fact that you're just now you have work on your plate. So someone on his, you think someone on his team did this? A hundred percent. He owns the masters. There's no way. Him and a couple other people own the masters on that, which means somebody within his team leaked it to somebody. That's the only right. way that happens. Yeah. There's no like, there's that's no. A, that's, a, that's a smart PR move too. A hundred percent. Because now it's being talked about, right? right. He's got yeah. three leaks. He's relevant again. Exactly. And not only is he being talked about, but he's being talked about as a victim, right? Right. Yeah. And he's being talked about with new music. 
So it's like now whatever they do next is going to be fucking huge. Mm-hmm. So we're not worried about like where it leaks. Like that's not really the big deal. Because like to me, Spotify is like almost like I, I get leaking it to a news outlet or a blog or something that's like almost more grassroots. But to like leak it right where everything else already is. That's what I'm saying is that like it's it's some like it's it's being like it's going through the right channels to be distributed. So somebody within his team just did that. And whether or not he's in on it, I have I, well, I was about to say, what's the, di- to speculate. what's the difference between just calling it a leak and calling it just like a drop from, you know, like they just drop some music. It's talk. just the artist not knowing, I guess. Even like, how do <laughs> we know if he knows? Like, that's you know what, what I'm mean? saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You don't know. And it's just how you spin it, right? If the artist doesn't know, then it's a leak. If the artist so does know, it's a drop. Basically, this article should just right. be Kinder Clark release new music. This is the <laughs> fucking like, world we live in right now. Yeah, bro. that's crazy. Oh, that's wild. I mean, cool. Spot- I mean, so it's on Spotify. This is yeah. why I <laughs> look for it. Yeah, Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why someone is marketing right. Now. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I can push the buttons, but like. Fine. If you want to call it this, that's great. I mean, we clicked on it, so fuck. Exactly. It got us, and we're talking and about we're th- it. And not only, and we, and we, and I'm talking about going to look for it on Spotify. Yeah, yeah I, I will listen to this on the way home. <laughs> what do you think, Gene? Let's over under. Is it better than Damn or on? I'm going under. Uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm kind of leaning more towards under for some reason. I feel like I haven't listened to the album that came out after Damn, but uh, I don't know. I was talking to some people about it, and they're like, eh, I don't know. What'd you think of the Big Stepper record? What? The, the 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 record that his newest one is that what it's called Big Stepper? I think so. Yeah, Mr. Morale and the Big Stepper. I didn't, I didn't listen. It to was it, very no. emotional and topical. <laughs> All right. Oh, well. excellent. Chris yeah. just discovered hip hop like <clears throat> a year ago. <laughs> so he's like, just like this is a whole <laughs> new world for him. This is crazy. <laughs> I discovered it three years ago, and he's gonna cheat me like that. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. I, <laughs> Uh, I've never been a big Kendrick fan, to be honest. I, I don't. I'm not one. Oh, I'm not wow. like a hater on him. Is that because you're old or what? Um, <laughs> it's probably a part of it, but it's like I'm a lyrics guy, and like not saying he doesn't have lyrics, but like God Almighty, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, what? Um, and what are you your saying, issue Tom? is what? What I'm saying is that you can't put him at the status they put him when people like most deaf are out there, right? Let's say yeah. you have a conscious hip hop artist, they're like saying shit in ways that are just like mind-blowing whether or not you agree it's just the way they put the words together artistically and the flow and all that and then you got people putting kendrick on the same level and to me i'm just like it's good no i don't know i no i think i I don't know about the same level now i think the scene tapped him like when they got him on the super bowl with snoop and dre and all those guys i feel like that was them tapping him and going yeah, you're like we've deemed you're cool. That wasn't a Kendrick thing. That was that was a fucking that was an Interscope and, thing. That was a showcase yeah, Dre for and Dre's label. Yeah. That wasn't anything else than a showcase for Dre's label, which is fine. But like, just I I still think I still think that uh, Kendrick has like a combination of both lyricism and uh, musical mastery. Um, yeah, that like, would put him at at a at a very at a very considerable level. I would even say above Mostaf. Oh, really? Above most of us. I don't know. I actually, I can't really say that. I don't know. I don't know enough. Most yeah, of watch your words. Watch your words. Yeah. Yeah. Gene just found hip hop six months ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I don't know. I'm not a hater on Kendrick. There's people that do hate on him. I think he's very talented and I like some of the stuff he does, but it always ruins it for me when people start like categorizing people as greats. 
Right. Same thing that happened with Lil Wayne. It was like, I liked Lil, Lil Wayne. And then they started categorizing him as like the greatest rapper of all time. And I'm like, you guys just ruined it for me. Well, I don't think a lot of them, them cats say it themselves. Yeah. They, <laughs> yeah. They say it themselves. So, you know what I'm saying? And they mind, every rapper come out, the greatest, they're the greatest rapper alive. Now, shoot, Drake done said it. You know what I'm saying? Jay-Z done said it, you know. Jay-Z has more grounds to stand on than Drake does. Well, that's why I was saying that so does, and mo, that's what I'm saying. Kendrick can't really compare to most Def, though, because most Def got weight, you know what I'm saying? That boy, that boy done been around, and he done said some things. He done said some things that, you know what I'm saying? Like, his flow is just like... uh it's got it's got a different type of uh, intellect to it. Yeah, it's got a real intellect to that bit, and that's where Kendrick get his from. Right, right. Who you think he? You know what I'm saying? People like that. People like people like uh, 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 your boy and and KRS One and all them cats, bro. Yeah, totally. And most deaf black stars. That's my one of my favorite duos right there. Talib Kweli and most deaf. Hell yeah, yeah, that shit raw. Yeah, they just released a record, I think, a couple years back. It was their first one in a long time. Yeah. Their I, lyrics is just, you know what I'm saying? Next intellect, level. Intellect, yeah, it's. Kendrick, and that's where I feel like Kendrick is kind of on that same type of vibe, but he's more mainstream. Right. His flow is more animated, which gives him, I feel like, more of a... Uh, 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 People want to gravitate to that because it's way different the way he flow and he animate his flow. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's different. Yeah, he's a different. I guess it's a different thing altogether. I just uh, one of those things for me where where people say uh, J Cole is another one where people talk about his. He like, say he the greatest of all time. Yeah, you know what I'm saying everybody said all the rap. It's part of like it's built into like the battle culture of yeah, hip hop, and it's fine. But it's one thing when they say it, but it's another thing when when the culture starts putting it at that level. I'm like, I don't think that maybe you guys aren't fully aware of what exists out there when you say that these guys are, because they say it to sell records, but when you're saying it as like a real thing, it's like, I don't know, like you have to be, dismiss a world of of like hip hop that- Before, before your ass was listening to it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or or somewhere else that you, they might not know. Exactly, because it's not even that it was back then. It's like a lot of it's still occurring now. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just happening in a different sphere, mm -hmm. like not in the pop sphere. So it's like when people say, well, Kendrick or J. Cole or like Drake and fucking Lil Baby or something, it's like we're literally comparing Wendy's and McDonald's here. We're not comparing like- you know what I mean? That boy, that boy, that boy uh, is another cat who kind of got my name. I think he go by uh, Solo, and they from the same spot as Kendrick. Uh, what's his name? Y'all just got in the rap, so I can't ask y'all. <laughs> I just play. <laughs> now he a new he, he a new rapper though. Um, what's the what's my name? Man? His solo, they solo, so so no soul Absol. 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 So good. I don't know who that is. Absol is like he like he on the same line as Kendrick. Like he's he, a, yeah, they, he was on Top Dog uh, for a while with Kendrick. Oh really? Um, yeah, yeah, he's really good. Absol, he another cat that I just kind of discovered a couple of years ago. But I got a few of his tracks on my library because he cold. Like, he he talk about That's what I thought you were saying. Rappers on other spheres motherfuckers don't know about. You right. don't know about him. I don't know about him, yeah. He cold. He got, he's saying, he's saying dope ass, uh, you know, really intellectual type shit too. Street shit too. Intellectual because yeah. the man's smart. You know what I'm saying? Just like, uh, 
just like uh, most deaf, Hasim Bey, like that. He's smart, bro. He got intellects. He got yeah. brains. Yeah, and not just see a, some similarities. Not just an MC. He also a historian, like motherfucking. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he, the shit that he references, like even musically when he's talking about like jazz and yeah, 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 historian, historian, yeah. motherfucking uh, 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 alchemist, all kind of shit. That motherfucker. I got, I got to check this guy out though, Absol. Yeah, you want to see? You want to holler at him? You want to holler at him? Yeah, definitely. Get him on the podcast. Yeah, sure. Get, and, and tell me to come when it comes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I say, man, you got my name, bro. Yeah. <laughs> that bro says, because I think his Instagram is solo. And I'm oh. like, no, this oh, man. Uh, damn. Yeah, he spelled it just like me, too. Damn. I'm like, man, your name Absol, bro. So, Absol's already taken by somebody else. Absol? Yeah, that's probably why he did solo on Instagram. Oh, on Instagram, yeah, yeah. probably, yeah. I'll have to check him out. Yeah, well, he definitely can't go by Herbert, so. <laughs> Damn, yeah, this a, you know when you know when killed a man like that. Damn, oh I didn't even God. see that till you said it. Yeah. Herbert Anthony Stevens the fourth. Damn, definitely not selling man, records. I got of a that different name. picture in my head when you said that whole full name out loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, all right, I gotta check him out. And this whole Kendrick thing with the leak, I don't know. It seems to me. Like it's just a publicity stunt. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely not revolutionary, it's but it's, it's no, it's interesting good though. Hypothesis. It's an interesting conversation though. I, I yeah, if I had looked at that and not put the thought into it, I would have just considered it a leak and kind of moved on and talked about it like a leak. But that's you know, that's a cool spin for marketing. You know, marketing's taking a bunch of weird turns now right. in this there's just, social media industry. There's just no other way. Like he owns the masters, <laughs> I would imagine. And if he doesn't, somebody on his team does. Right, and there's just you know, yeah. There's only. I mean, only but one way. people can get it uh, without going through the masters too, though. You know what I'm saying? Somebody fucked around and and downloaded it. You know what I'm saying? Just to hear some shit, and then somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Airdrop that because you know you airdrop that shit. Not yeah, totally, totally. So somebody could have hacked it and gotten it. Yeah, but that could be a way. But that's it's a real likely story with as much controls those guys have over their artists. I know the that big. Gets around. I like I I like what you say with the publicity stunt. Yeah, good, good hypothesis. Um, all right, well, it's bottom line news, guys. Thought that was a fun one. It's fun. Good job, Chris. Yeah, good job, man. We'll do this. I like I like this uh, daily snapshot thing. We got to keep doing. It. Yeah, I do it all the time. That's why I always reference. I just didn't do it today because I got caught up. But I, I like the I like the roulette. Yeah, the roulette one. That fucking Marilyn Manson one was garbage. Hot garbage. I don't know shit about Canadian law. <laughs> Anyways, um so uh what's uh what's next for you on the on the docket, man? Like what do you want to do? Like what are your goals with this whole music thing? Like what do you want to see happen for yourself? Oh man. Uh, this is a tough one. I always hate this question people ask me. <laughs> it is a good question. Um, I'm just just trying to get this music out, man. I've been writing. I got an album coming out. I've been writing an album, solo album. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. Mine. I'm trying. Mine will probably be out before the band before band be easies. Okay. Um, because I've been really at it trying to get it out. What kind of music? I'm gonna do a. I'm gonna do a. I'm gonna do a. I'm gonna do a reggae album. Okay. Hell yeah. I said that shit about five times. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do. No. Yeah. We do. <laughs> Cut it up, chop this <laughs> reggae album. Yeah, I'm gonna do a reggae album. So, um, is this something that you always want to do? That you've been like, yep. is this a genre you've been influenced by for a long time? Yep. And okay. I never really did. I always like 
kind of did some reggae, some this, some, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now I'm just doing it's just gonna be a full out reggae album, and I'm and I'm a, I'm a, I'm starting out what I call uh, uh, easy entrance okay. into it to where I, from where I can't go. You know what I'm saying? With just reggae. So I'm just going to start out a little easy easy entrance. You trying to do like more traditional rootsy style or do you want to do more like, you know, dance hall style? Like what, what kind of reggae are you trying to go for, do you think? Man, I'm a, I'm going to do, they say, they say it's a, uh, they say it's a, uh, a genre now. I don't know that for sure. But them cats, uh, white boy reggae. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely a genre. It's been a genre for a long time. Is it? Time. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a genre? Yeah, 100%. Revolution and the yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. White boy reggae? Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, okay, okay. That's what they say. That's what they say. I, you know, whatever. But it's, as a joke, it's not It's not like a real... It's no, it's a real genre of reggae. No, it's a no, on Spotify. It's a real genre of reggae. Let's find out. There's no fucking way you're going to put revolution... I like revolution, but there's no way you're going to put like fucking pepper or like the expendables... Oh, the same kind of thing with like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. Don't, that, 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 come on you can't you can't just single out and the expendables are straight out of some I like them okay. I'm not saying but, I don't like them but with, but you said pepper yeah peppers so terrible. but you so but you saying that go you know because revolution to me keeps they're as close to like roots reggae as you can get I don't now you know you might know a little bit more more so this way this is my take on it bro okay let's this hear my it. take on it let's hear it um, I was, I don't want to say against it, but I didn't listen to it a, a lot. Yeah. You know, the like West, Coast, West, Coast, West Coast, West Coast reggae okay. style reggae after Sublime. Yeah. I, and, and I didn't, Sublime, I didn't really listen to them that much either because I was a big hardcore uh, Roots reggae fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, But to be honest, now I came to a place where it's all pushing reggae out there so i don't you know i don't hate on those cats man they do their thing yeah i don't i don't hate on it either it's just there's a clear difference when you're listening to people like the heptones or like oh of course you know but but shoot but look you know so one of those cats i might have one of them cats on my album so oh i see see, okay i see what's happening i might want to do that yeah i know i love (laughs) pepper and the expendables (laughs) and super villain revolution all of cats i'm you know what i'm saying i'm working working, real hard i'm working out i work with all of because they write good music it's good writers it's good writers no and revolution i I will say i do like them a lot they write some i don't know if they write the horn sections but the horn sections with what in in those tunes are phenomenal there's just like there's some people like Pepper to me is so fucking like frat boy like just get hammered party and just like pl- like I, I, I just I haven't listened. Oh, they saying the uh 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 shoot I was shit I I was covering one of their tunes one time back in the day. We've all what, covered Pepper tunes. Oh, for real? Point. Yeah, that motherfucking <laughs> uh that hot and sexy, that hot yeah hot little sex whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Every if we we all got to cover shit. We don't want to. Anyway, my, my, my point being, my point being is that there to me is a clear difference. And there's some guy like I love what Slightly Stupid does, right? Because they kind of took this dub approach and they were doing like like this. They were doing their version of a lot of this music, but they also like have a full understanding of the history of that music, which I don't fully have. But 
Right. I can appreciate where it's coming from and then their take on it. They did something completely different with it. And then you got Revolution that has more of a traditional roots vibe to what they're doing. And I like that a lot. But then you got guys that are just kind of like you can tell are just trying to sell tickets. And that to me is like, I don't know, it kind of loses its, its value to me. That being said, uh, congratulations on doing a West Coast reggae. We'll call it West Coast reggae. Uh, record you're gonna, <laughs> like the idea that you're going to do a white boy reggae album. <laughs> I The reason why I said that, dog, is because this is what, this is the only reason why I said it. It's the yeah. only difference. This is the only difference, which, I, and, I'm, and I'm not against it. This is the only difference. This is why, and this is why. White boy reggae, all it is, is that you're able to understand what they're saying. They're talking about some shit that everybody here understands mm -hmm. is going through at the same time. Right. You know what I'm saying? And they're singing it over 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 root of a, a reggae style of music. Mm -hmm. That's all they're doing. So I dig that. I call it, but it's not white boy reggae. I, I don't know why that. I say it that. I say that, that right. I say that because I say that because I I do speak patois. Oh, you do? Yeah. Fuck yeah. But I'm not, but see, and I used to always incorporate that into when I sang reggae. But then when you look at it, you know what I'm saying, for and it took this long to say, like, really, I'm, who am I getting through to right. if I'm playing to a whole bunch of Americans? Right. They don't understand what I'm saying. So I'm able to get through to them because that's what reggae is for. Right. For it to get through to the masses a message that should be heard. Right. So that's what I'm going to do. I dig that. And I didn't think about it that way. And uh, you just schooled me on something hey, so hey, it's all good it's all good <laughs> i'm sitting here talking shit he's like i'm just trying to get a fucking message out <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's what it's for man there's like uh it's it's interesting because like there's um this whole thing about when music tends to what we call what people call sell out right and how it loses something. And and there's this a documentary, I can't remember what it's called, but they were talking, it's just about like, uh, it was about um, just traditional styles of music in general. And there was an interview with Most Def, and he was like, hip hop is folk music. At the Basically, end of the day, yeah. it's music of the people. Yeah. And when it became music for the masses is when it started to kind of lose some of its thing. But I think that there's a, a value in what you're saying. You know, if you can try and create music that people can generally appreciate on a basic level, but have a message that's deep and impactful, I think that's kind of the sweet spot. Yeah. You know, that a lot of people, people that are more traditionalists, uh, might not think about so much. So when no, like, I didn't, I was one. Yeah, and I think everybody goes to that. So like, like when it, when when most Def says that. He's thinking about it from a very traditional point, and he's like, obviously, he's got his views, and if you listen to his music, he's very outspoken about those. So, of course, he's trying to keep it close to his heart, right? But when there's guys like Kendrick Lamar and you know other guys, J. Cole and people that are newer, they can kind of hold on to some of that spirit, but put it in a context where people can appreciate it and want to listen to it. It does, I think, the movement overall like more of a service because you get you get the message out to people. Damn right. They can understand it in, in a context that makes sense to them yeah. and it's palatable for them. Yeah, you know? exactly, so. palatable. And so that's what I'm working on. And it's been 
a journey. It's been, it's been a challenge for me because I've been so long, you know, programmed to just want to get that authentic, you know what I'm saying? Because my people's is Jamaican too. So, I, of course, I want that authentic, authentic thing. But when you look at it, it's like, like you, but with, with the one piece that you, the piece of the puzzle you might be missing is that not only what you said is correct, but also it does, it might water it down. Like you say, because when where reggae started in Jamaica, man, that reggae, reggae was spitting fire. Besides fire, it was spit. You know, they talk about love, like R and B and stuff. But then they started really getting into social issues, right? Really spitting that fire. You know what I'm saying in their lyrics. So it was whipping, whipping that system ass, right? <laughs> With lyrics, right? And and sound, and uh, as it when somebody like Sublime take it, huh? You watering it down. Right. They water it down because them them boys ain't talk about social injustice like that. Not to a not that like that. They did, but not from that perspective. Not from that. They came. They came. They came. How can they do it? Exactly. So so from them, Pepper and all them boys, they definitely not really talking about that. Which is they came. Right. How can they? Right. But what what the piece of the puzzle I'm talking about is that these people that are listening to these guys, at some point you got Pandora, you got all these, you know, listen to this person radio listen to revolution radio at some point bob marley gonna pop up there huh gregory isaacs might pop up there jimmy cliff somebody might yeah. pop up then somebody will say oh who is that oh i like that they might like it yeah that might get them to go start digging a little deeper right so now they can now it draws them back so even the people who might who you say quote unquote water it down they're still that funnel that could lead down to the to the, to the source, to the tank. yeah, to the tank. yeah, totally, yeah, no, for sure, for sure, and that's kind of you know, to me, that's that's why a lot of that music is so important because there is that message. So yeah, goddamn right. So it's a good yeah, point, yeah. like you know, thinking about how it becomes watered down, and then just understanding that people can be filtered through those channels to still get the message at some point. You know, that's what's most important about it. You yeah. know. Cause all those guys too, like Revolution. That not saying that they just all like you say. Pepper is more like that party. Frat yeah, guy Revolution's thing. But got, they got yeah some some conscious, more loving, more uh, uh, natural, wholesome, totally holistic, totally. And there's and again, like just you know some of the struggles that generally everybody faces. Yeah. Those bands, or at least more like Revolution and slightly stupid, we'll talk about. But then there's like the next level where it's like we, you guys grew up in the suburbs, you couldn't possibly understand. The suburbs of, of America, you, know, you couldn't possibly understand like like the next level. So why would you talk about it then? It, so I commend them that they don't really do that. Yeah, exactly. I really commend it's, them because it's, it's honest. Yeah, I, I, that's so that's dope. Yeah, that's dope. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get that, trying to act like they know about. You know what I'm saying? We right. we gravy. Now that's what I want to do because I have, I am that person. Right. From let's say Jamaica's, they call them quote unquote. I don't use them terms, third world and what have you. But when you people want to use it, they say Jamaica third world. <laughs> so it's a little different. But I'm coming from the same streets and stuff that those guys were talking about what's going on in their hoods. I'm from those same streets. I can talk about what's going on in my hood and in my neighborhood on the side that my friends over here in Switzerland and Fruit Cove don't really know about. Right. Because I ain't ever tell them. Right, right. <laughs> I didn't want to tell them back then. You know, I thought it wasn't cool, you know. Right. But as I look back, as I got older, I appreciate that I had both those sides 
and uh, and I know the streets. Right. Where a lot of people wouldn't think I do, but I do. And uh, so I'll be able to express that through this reggae I'm finna bring out. 100%, man. When are you planning on, uh, Are you? is it already recorded or are you in the process of recording? I got about, man, I had to drop a couple songs because I feel like I'm going I'm to use them for the follow-up. Are you going to leak them? Malika yeah. mugs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leak them. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but I dropped. So I think I got like two more to write, and I'll be finished with the album. Hell yeah. And about half of them is over half is mixed and stuff. So it's real close. Awesome, man. It's so exciting, right? That process of almost seeing it. Um, it's like almost done. Almost done. Yeah. And I keep feel like I'm. It keep getting further back every time I feel like I'm about to touch it. It goes scooting back a little bit. <laughs> I get it. I get it, man. Yeah, hundred percent. But it's almost there. I'm excited about it. When it comes, please go cop it, man. Tell me what you think about it. What's the record called? Uh, what's the album gonna be called? Yeah, from the streets to the beach. From the streets to the beach. I like it. Fuck yeah, man. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> um, Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you being with us today. This has been a lot of fun. For sure. Glad we got to, you know, hang out and get to know each other on a different level, you yeah, know. Yeah. Hopefully sometime we can jam soon, you know. Maybe that could be the next next, the next uh, time we meet. There we go. I'm going to do it. Um, you want to do some unpopular opinions? You can do unpopular opinions? I guess so. That's how we finish off every single Let's episode. Let's do it. So, all right. Um, my phone out. Here we go. Now that Billy's not here, do you guys want to do an unpopular opinion? Yeah, I'm ready this week. Oh, Chris I'm, is ready. I'm not as ready, so yeah. Uh, let me. I, I thought. I I feel like I maybe made a note, but we'll see. All right, what you got, Chris? All right. Um, I think it was the wrong move for the Red Hot Chili Peppers to kick out Josh Klinghoffer when they brought Frashanti back into the fold this next time around. I've listened to those new records they've put out, and to me, they just don't hit the same. Maybe it's the nostalgia, but. I also really like the records they did with Klinghoffer in the band, and I thought that could be like a cool element going forward. But like, everyone's so stoked to have like kind of that super hyped lineup back together, and I, to me, it was like super lackluster. Like, I'm kind of bummed for sh like uh, Klinghoffer's out of the mix. Hmm, it's interesting. I haven't heard their newer stuff. I haven't either. I've <clears throat> the, the the last record they put out before for Shanti though. Um, I did. Here that that was the one that had um what was that that hit that they had off that record um it was purple something I forget it was the record that had like the girl walking the bear there was one before that I think though I can't um, remember we used um, to do one of those songs oh uh, you're not thinking of the the white record with the fly uh maybe it was that one I don't remember uh, I'm trying to think of, I'm the terrible with names hold on Here, the flower not the first record no not, no not, not love sex and no no, no oh, it's, no, it's no, a newer no. one that they did. That when they kicked Frashanti out, and then they released one like probably four years ago, five years ago. Yeah, hold on, I'm pulling it up. That's the oh. one. Is it the one with the uh, hey hey ho on it? I mean hey uh, no, snow. That's no, that's snow. Stadium Arcadium. See, that, that was like that's 06. That's, and that was the last Frashanti record that was like it for me, like that double album. Yeah. Uh, and right after that, when he was out of the band, they put out I'm with you, which I spun that record out and I liked it a lot. Really? Um, yeah, it was. It's a nostalgic record for me for sure. But Anton, maybe the one you're thinking of is the Getaway. I think so. And that's the I listen um, to that one a lot. Yeah, yeah, and I like both those records with um, with Klinghoffer on them. And then last year in April, or last year they dropped two records: Unlimited Love and Return of the Dream Canteen. Okay. And to me, neither of those like I liked the ones before that writing wise better. 
I will say that playing with different guitar players uh, brings a different element out of those guys. Oh, like, totally. They're, all their uh, vibes of different players shape every record. Like, uh, was it uh, One Hot Minute with Dave, Dave Navarro? Navarro? Yeah. That record was fucking phenomenal. And yeah. talk about some, like... Really underrated Chili Peppers record, too. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, My Friends and... Yeah, and uh, Airplane was on that one. Airplane's on that one. And just, like, didn't realize until I listened to that record that Dave Navarro could really play funk. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was like alt funk, but it was. But he, it, it he, were it was it wasn't like he was he wasn't phoning it in like it it yeah. was real for what he played, you know. Yeah, and they, they I think they do have a history of like of writing more interesting songs when Frusciante is not in the mix. What I will say is that just like Frusciante is so unapologetically him, and his guitar playing is so unique that I'm always going to be on Frusciante's side. Well, and that's why I'm cool with bringing him back, but, like, bring these two monstrously different players <laughs> together. together. Like, because um, Klinghoffer's, a, like, he's got 300 pedals on stage with him. He's a real big soundscaping guy. Yeah. And, like, Frusciante's just raw energy. Right. So, like, put those two things together. You're going you're gonna to get a fucking cool album. I just know it. Maybe Frusciante. So, like, for Frusciante's probably got a fucking ego. Uh, though. I was like, I'm not playing with another guitar player. And that's got to be what it is, which is why I just... And, like, everyone, like, all the, you know, 2000-era fans are like, oh, this is the best thing that's ever happened. And I'm kind of just like, eh, would have been cool to see. I don't know. It didn't excite me as much, so... I can feel that. Yeah. Are you a big Chili Peppers guy? I, uh, I do like Chili Peppers, but I haven't... Their new stuff, I haven't really uh, been up on. Yeah. I'm gonna have to check it out now. Though. I yeah, just wouldn't put them on my. It's all worth listening to. To me, it's it's hard to stack up to those like Californication, by the way, and Stadium Arcadium were like my big three with Frashanti. Yeah. Um, so like maybe it's just nostalgia that I'm kind of hating on the new stuff, but I don't know. It's hold on. I, I'll tell. You, I got a song, a newer song. I think. Let me y'all tell me what the. Okay, so what's the. Oh, return of the I so I got the drummer can't stop, can't stop is by the way, and then the drummer's off the return of the whatever that album is. Return of the dream can't see like the newest one. That's the newest one. Yeah. So I have a song off there that I thought was okay. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, I think what you're saying it's not bad. It's just that the other guitar player that they had right before this record, what's his name? Uh, Josh Klinghoffer. Josh Klinghoffer was just more interesting and different and brought a different element to the band. And for Shanti, kind of, you know, is less. He's just back to like the kind of same old, same old. Right. right. Like he's not pushing any boundaries. Yeah, I kind of know what I'm getting. And like, there was there was this kind of like, off the rails. Like with when they were, when he was on drugs. Like honestly, like it was kind of like this loose cannon, kind of writing some crazy stuff. And I think he's clean now. And it's almost like you know. Let's try to let's try to recreate some of that magic and mojo, and it was just kind of this like special time. Where yeah, develop a fucking heroin addiction again, John. Jesus saying. fucking Christ, bro. What are you doing? Lock me in. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's a good unpopular opinion for sure. You got one over there, Gene? No, no. Okay. I've been I've been really trying to think of something. You can't think of anything that you, that you think is unpopular. Everyone's got no. fucking unpopular opinions. I'm sure I do. I just I don't know. Like sitting here, just like uh, I, like under the pressure, I can't think of anything. Uh, no. Nope. Um, right. Second unpopular opinion: Ice T should have wiped you out, dude. Yeah, dude, that's not real. even an unpopular opinion. I'm a fan <laughs> of that opinion. I think it would have made for a better story, but. Um, you got any unpopular opinions? 
You go first. You want me to go first? <laughs> All right. Um, here's one that I just heard uh, the other day that I've been waiting to say for a while, though, is boiled peanuts suck. <laughs> oh, dude, I agree. I'm actually with Boiled you on this one. Fuck, yeah. Yeah. I just think they're weird. They're slimy. They're like, like fucking beans that taste like peanut butter. <laughs> it's <laughs> actually gross. What about so Cajun peanut butter then? So if you got the I Cajun see, peanuts, oh, yeah, yeah. it's it, it. I don't the peanut. It's not the peanuts that bother me. It's the boiled version of them. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I I can do like Cajun peanuts. No Cajun boiled. Peanuts. No, no, it all can go to hell. <laughs> all of it can go to hell. Because here's the thing: is that I don't I don't like the texture of beans, and I know that I'm Cuban, and I should love beans theoretically. But yeah. I don't like how they just mush in your mouth. They get yeah, kind of yeah. chalky yeah. sometimes too. Like, I feel you. I feel. I'm not a big. I'm not gonna go get them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I, I will. I don't think they're nasty. We, but I wouldn't go get them. We had, we had a whole thing when we were on the on the way back from uh, Dunedin, the last gig that we played out there with Side Hustle, <laughs> and fucking uh, who was it? It was Steve. Honig was on this trip about like needing to get boiled peanuts. And I don't think Billy ever had them before, which is surprising. Um, and then Aaron was all into the boiled peanuts. So we stopped at like two different places on the side of the road, you know, like out fucking on the West side, like not even West side yet. We weren't even back from the, we were somewhere in between like Tampa and here on one of those back roads. And you start seeing like boiled peanut signs. So we stopped at, like two different places and got them. And I didn't fucking eat them. Billy tried them for the first time, and he liked them, of course. And uh, uh, Steve and Aaron are obsessed with them. And this is a real debate. People love boiled peanuts. I didn't a realize. A lot of people like really love them. I think they are an abomination to food. <laughs> it is disgusting. So I'm really glad that you guys feel the same way no. because there's no conversation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I can respect that they're like a staple of uh backwoods road ro no like just backwoods roadside culture uh without that what would dot the interstates between the cities of america oh fucking honey, honey? Yeah. or like fucking flowers yeah, or like I mean, fucking fruit, alligators it's all part of it's all part anything of the, it's got to be there boiled the peanuts yeah i kind of grew up being around them but yeah but they don't you hit said, you any, any kind of way say it again they don't they don't hit you any kind of way Nah, I just don't. You got to get that. There's certain. I've had enough of them to know that there are they are different. So it's depending on where you get them from. Some some can be slimy, but mm. some can be if they're if they're boiled right to perfection, they're not slimy. Mm, okay, maybe I gotta try some more boiled peanuts. I won't. But maybe yeah, I you, yeah, you're not going to. <laughs> All right, on the peanut train. Uh, what about peanuts and coke? Peanuts and coke. In what? coke, y'all don't know what. How do you grind the peanut fine no, no, enough? No, 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 no. You just put the full peanut in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, that's like a, a southern thing. Like, never to mind, me, never mind. To me, boiled peanuts and like peanuts and coke are like equally as southern. I didn't grow up in the south, so I don't know, man. That's right. You grew up in New York, just south, south New York. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think the peanut's going to fit my nose. <laughs> you don't know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to make that Gee. joke earlier, and it didn't sail, and I had to come up with a different way to... Tell me you do. Tell me you do drugs without telling me you do drugs. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. The right show off before I stick it in my nose. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. If it's gonna, uh, uh, nice gonna gene, real, real good. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's a lot of southern traditions that I don't understand, and peanuts, the boiled peanuts thing, are one of them. And I've never even fucking heard of peanuts and coke. That are you familiar with this? Mm -mm. Peanuts and coke, nah. 
Um, <laughs> oh my god! Chris has an image of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's just a. Ugh, it's oh, bad. It's just a real it's, thing. Yeah, that's. Wait a minute, that's you eat it? Good. No, you drink it. Uh, <laughs> you do. A more, a more hands it's like boba. On, hold on, hold on. A more hands-on. Uh, washing. Wait, I can't even fucking read. Uh, simply pouring peanuts in your Coke bottle allow for a protein boost <laughs> that you could sip while working. Oh my! Since then, the sweetie salt pairing of sugary Coke and savory peanuts has spread across the South from the Bro, Carolinas to Texas. That Drink red like a, a fucking, fucking protein shake. Yeah, I like what I the fuck? That read like a life hack. Dude. Like, do you need to? Do you need some extra protein in your life? Just drop some peanuts in your. Yeah, coke. because if you're <laughs> like, drinking oh. Coke every day, the the biggest problem you have is fucking protein. The fuck out of here, bro. I mean, this is like a construction <laughs> workers of the South thing. Oh so, like, you know, they pick up six of these a day. Oh, this is insane. Disgusting. I'm just kind of. I'm yeah. not on board with this. I will say that people up north have weird traditions too that I've heard about, like the fucking salt in PBR, which is a Baltimore what? thing. What? Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. It's a Baltimore that thing. Sounds, you put, you, yeah, put, no, you salt you. your beer. It's disgusting. That's, yeah, that's I don't crazy. know. Anyways, that's my unpopular opinion. Boiled peanuts can go right to fucking hell. <laughs> what you got, <laughs> Solo? I know you got one. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. If you need more time, I, I thought of something. Uh, yeah, go ahead. What yes, you got, Joseph? Been going. This is. We'll see. We'll see. I feel like it might have some traction with this group. I think chicken wings are so overrated. Like I think I agree. Incredibly overrated. Like, I agree. Like, with that. I think they're okay. Like, I eat them. It's not like I hate them. But like, I guess it's just the people I've been around recently. They're like obsessed with chicken wings. Like, we'll be going out <laughs> to lunch at work, and they're just. I'm like, it's like, like you know, half of the time at least, it's just like, let's go get chick- like wings. And I'm like, I just don't know. Like, I don't like wings. Like, I, I agree with you. Is. I will. I will uh, like ninety percent of the time not order them if I'm out and about. However, if someone does order them for the table, I'll have like one or two. Yeah, they have to be flappers though. I don't do fucking drumsticks. That's just whack. What? Okay, now that's that's an unpopular opinion there. When it comes to when it comes <laughs> to chicken wings, I don't really care for them. But I mean, like, I think it's definitely drumsticks over flaps. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're fucking crazy. Wow. I'll bro. say the caveat on this one is wow. I think everyone's got their wing place though. Like, I don't have a wing really? place. I don't care about them like that. Well, yeah. I mean, like you got, I don't know, like. I'm, where's I'd your say, wing spot, Chris? Where's, uh, where, where's East, your wing spot? East Coast Wings up in North Carolina. Okay, the, uh, yeah, it's like the only spot away. that like I'm, I would get excited to go get wings for. But everything else, yeah, I, t- I, I agree. It's kind of like kind of like I'm probably not ordering them. Otherwise, you don't like wings either, really. Uh, I'm totally out of the question. Yeah. Yeah, I just you're just like no, I'm not at all. I'm veg- I don't eat meat. Oh, oh you don't eat meat at all. Oh, oh yeah, so yeah, that's just like, even there a different category. Yeah. yeah, I just, you know, I just, they're too messy. I've got to wash my hands twice, <laughs> like, you know, once before, and then I eat them, and then I, I don't want to do that. That's, like, you know. You wash your hands before you eat? I like to think I do. That's like, fucking wild also. Well, <laughs> I, I, do I, I do a lot of work where my hands get incredibly dirty. That's true. So I sometimes when that. I sit down at a meal, I just go, oh, my God, like, I have to. Like, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's I like for, oil and it's gross. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, you got to yeah. do that. Yeah, it's, yeah it some sucks. People work for a living. It's yeah, some <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot. It's been a long time. All right, Solo, what you got, bro? I got it. Please so, don't let it be food related. I swear to God, no, it won't be food related. <laughs> um, yeah, I hate chili peppers. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Um, this is the only reason I wanted a mic is just for just little quips. That's it. That's funny. <laughs> Social media. So Facebook is becoming more like MySpace out of 
out of the uh, social media race. What do you feel about that? I feel like Facebook is the least uh, popular these days. For I feel like the younger generation, yes. If you're above 35, it's probably the platform that you use the most. Generally speaking, not obviously. It also depends on where you live and stuff. Yeah, do you have your analytics handy? Yeah, I mean, I've done the <laughs> research on this because I, I'm I'm very, I try to be on top of like what you know how the platforms work and and all that stuff and and it is like if you're over the age of 35, uh, again we have to talk about like we're not talking about major cities like New York or L.A. Uh, or Chicago, Miami. We're talking about like smaller, like most of the country is you know in a, like smaller cities, smaller towns. And a lot of those people are over a certain age and they're still utilizing Facebook. I would say that m most people are still using Facebook here in Jacksonville too, as opposed to Instagram and TikTok, which um, it's, it's hard as an artist to try and build your base locally when a lot of the people are still uh, utilizing platforms like Facebook because it's not the greatest way to interact with people, I don't think. Because it's not it's it's a closed network. It's like a virtual high school yearbook, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, but that one that was the one I I was trying to put into one. I I've not. Um, SpaceX. SpaceX. I heard. What do y'all think about Elon Musk? No, this is your unpopular opinion. What do you think of Elon Musk? <laughs> I like Elon Musk. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I'm an I Elon agree. Musk fan. I, I think he's a net positive for the, for the world. I agree. He does some goofy things. I've been, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm on the fence. I'm in more of a negative direction than you guys. Really? Yeah, I don't know. What like, do you think? I, I have mixed feelings about it. Like, I think, you know, I, I, I was a big fan of him much earlier on. Uh -huh. But I think a lot like like a lot of the stuff that he's done recently with Twitter has just been absolutely silly and childish. Like what? Me. Um, I've seen a couple of different things of just the like there's uh, I can't remember. Yeah, the I one. haven't like seen when it. When he brought the I kitchen sink of... into the Twitter office. Oh, I didn't I didn't even see about that. And he literally yeah. carried a kitchen sink into. I saw something where it's like he he like uh, like he was like there was a couple things where I guess he was. I can't remember what it was. I, it was essentially like I saw a video that. Someone was outlining a bunch of this thing, this whole little series where he had, like, I guess, banned some people, and then there was a space to talk about all these things that were happening, and then he joined the space, essentially got, you know, run out of it because, either, like, and I would listen to some of it, just the things he was saying was just, like, he had no idea what he was talking about, and then once he got out of it, he then, like, changed a bunch of things in Twitter so that, like, that space wasn't even accessible anymore. Like, just a lot of very, like, immature things where he's like, well, now I'm just going to go into Twitter because I own it, and I'm going to do this, mm. like... I see a lot, a lot of a lot of things like that. So I have yeah. mixed feelings about him. I, I th in the beginning, it was really cool because he was a guy with big ideas and he had the ability to kind of point a lot of resources at these ideas that nobody else would point resources at. But now that he has just like an incredible amount of resources and he's just like, you know, it's just he like it's very I don't know the I feel like his either his demeanor is changing or maybe this is just how he's been the whole time. And this is just kind of how we're seeing it. Like, so, like, you know, now now we're just seeing it. So See, that's why I call him goofy, though, because like that's just compared to some of the things he does, like what he brought the um, brought Internet to Ukraine. What was the oh, this, the uh, uh, yeah, the the thing. Yeah, he brought I mean, like um, between that making like hyperloops, 
rockets. Well, the Tesla's like rockets. To me, that's rock, what I was about to get rockets, to too. Like, what's up? What's your take on the electric cars? Like, I think all that stuff is like super helpful for generations. Yeah, for electric cars. I think so. I have you know I have individual opinions about all those things that have nothing really to do with Elon Musk. Elon, yeah. Like I think I love space travel. I think that's excellent. Everything about space travel, a lot of uh, technical technological innovations have come directly from space travel in the past. I think that's fantastic. The electric cars, I think, are really cool. I th- I'm more in- interested in the autonomous driving. I don't think electric cars are a solution for our energy problem. I think it's maybe a piece in the portion to get us there. Um, but there's a lot of other different you know things with that. And then the Hyperloop, I think it's kind of like, it's cool, it was a cool concept, but it just seems kind of like a publicity stunt. Even that like little traffic car loop that they did, yeah, in Vegas, Vegas yeah. yeah, it doesn't seem like it's 100% practical yet. So I mean, they were all really cool ideas and maybe they'll get implemented in a cooler way later. But a lot of them are just like neat. The only thing I think is uh, that has any like real weight to it is SpaceX. Like yeah. in Tesla, Tesla does too. Like, you know, I think there's some, some weight to that, but. Well, the, yeah, the, for sure. But, like, Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just, but I was basically to sum it up, like not really just on his uh, personal behavior, but just what he's been forward or been pushing and kind of supporting on the whole SpaceX and his, you know, yeah. the whole Tesla thing and all that. Yeah. What SpaceX is doing is incredible. I think, yeah. like you know, the reusable rocket technology is, you know, f- you know, um, it's it's amazing. Like we, we, but we also can't give that entirely to Elon Musk, you know. There's a lot of other people that design things as well. Right, but he has the resources to, yeah, to do sure. it, to, yeah. to, 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 to oh, let yeah. those people do, you know, pay those people to do, do their job. Oh, yeah, right. for sure. And yeah. I, I think that it's also important that there is a private sector that has um, access to the information of space, right? Like when the government has a monopoly on on a science or, or something, I, I just, to me, that's troublesome. So I think it's good that we have, uh, you know, a private sector that's involved in that capacity. Um, as far as the electric side, I don't know like a ton about how the technology of the electric cars work. Um, I, as I understand it, it's not totally uh, independent of gas and oil. Um, it just depends on where the electricity was generated and how they generated it. Like if you charge an electric car here in Jacksonville, it's most likely being technically being fueled by natural gas. Right. They're, they're burning up at the, uh, the the power plant. Exactly. And that's kind of, I, I don't think they've figured out a way to kind of become independently um, like, rel- like reliant, like on itself yet, you know? So I don't know about that yet. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, as far as like the space SpaceX stuff, I think that uh, it's important that we have, um, you know, a private sector exploring the same realms that the government's exploring just to keep the government in check, if nothing else. And also, um, I heard that there's this thing with Bill Maher that he was talking about. And he was like, uh, we want this guy on our side. You know, like, it's crazy that people are trying to, like, shoot him down. And, right now, yeah, it seems like it. You know, cause it's like, because, like, the idea of like an evil genius could be real, right? Like you're like a Dr. Evil type character. <laughs> He's already made flamethrowers. Like, right. For fun. Like. And, and, and has already like infiltrated space. So it's like, mm-hmm. and he has all the resources in the world and he's obviously intelligent enough to, He's a real-life Bond villain. He's ex- a, exactly. Only, only person with a launch pad on his damn lawn, dog. <laughs> exactly. So you, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's exactly I look up a, to the dude, bro. That's change Bill, out the payload. That's, and things get a lot different. The, that's what Bill Maher was saying. It's, he's literally a real-life Bond, uh, Bond villain if we make him that. Or 
right. we can be like, yeah, let's fucking figure out how you can do good for society and not try and shun you from it because of whatever your background is or whatever, however you grew up or whatever people are thinking. Like the Twitter thing, that's a $40 billion acquisition. Mm-hmm. To pretend like anybody has any clue on how to handle that scenario appropriately no, no, that's right. is like fucking insane. So I have no judgment uh-huh, on that. Exactly. Okay, but like... But I also think, you know, there there is a difference, you know, like sure, you know, like Elon has run a lot, a lot of big companies and he does a lot of stuff with tech. But for anybody to think that they can just, you know, acquire a 40 billion dollar company and step in and run it the way that he wants to try and run it. I also think that that is ridiculously, you know, like foolish. Like, don't get me wrong. Maybe. He has a lot of a credit and accreditation. But I mean, to just kind of try to step into Twitter and feel like you're going to be able to do everything immediately better like I think is super fucking, you know, that's really, you know, I don't know, to me that seems arrogant. No, you're probably right about that. There was probably, you know, he probably got a little confident in that scenario. Um, You know, there's just, you know, I I still can't really fully judge it because it's like, I don't know what that looks like, you know? So, yeah, ultimately I think that not only can he be a net positive for, for civilization, I think that we're, it's it's in our best interest to make him feel like he can be a net positive. I know he can get get a hold of a lot more than we can. Exactly, because if if we if we try and shun him from society, um, and make him out to be this evil character, it can turn in that direction. Mm-hmm. You know? Real quick, I, I could I could see I could totally see. I'm not saying this is the case, but I could totally see something coming out like later, like you know, give it another five years, and something actually happens where we find out that like you know something get, becomes uncovered and he is like it wouldn't surprise me like if we found out like he had like a s- slaves or something i don't know <laughs> well, like like you know just like i, I don't know like just like you know like child already, labor like you know that's our there's a lot of that but there's like, already out there because his family's murder it's already out there <laughs> look at that like it's know, already like, out there bro because he's he's south his family is like south african and they're you oh know, yeah oh, money, for real oh for yeah. real oh, yeah. he know is, that. oh he's south african he's as shit that's where all of his money comes from oh for real yeah in the mines or, or, out there originally the, like the, before oh, PayPal. See, I know all that yeah, shit. He's got South African. His family comes from some sketchy backgrounds whether or Ooh. not he is tr- is still, you know, profiting or implementing any of that Ooh. stuff is yeah, yeah. See, I ain't know nothing anything anything. It's some shady <laughs> shit from South Africa. That's all I got to say. Yeah. But um um I didn't know that, but I like I said, I was looking solely on his accomplishment not how he got it or where he got it from. I was just like the things he's been doing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? The thing. You know what I'm saying? Because he he brought that stuff to my attention and like, oh shit, he brought back the Tesla. You know what I'm saying? Brought out Tesla because I'm a bit, I'm a Tesla fan. The 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 man. You know himself. Oh yeah, totally. You know what I'm saying? So I just like the fact that he. I was before all this. I was, you know what I'm saying? I was a, You're I was a, Milan yeah, now. I was T. Milan. Yeah, I like what he was doing, but shit. But I, I feel have that. to go a little deeper. And you also have to be careful about people that are in positions of power like him that are trying to um, own entire arms of media, right? Like right. is an arm of the media. Yeah, media. right. And so what he's effectively doing by buying Twitter out is not only giving um, his people a platform, but he's also giving himself total control of a narrative on one of the most influential platforms in the world. Yeah. Right. So any information that gets leaked through that or whatever he's controlling. Mm. And if, and we, he's already kind of proven to show that if he doesn't like 
what's happening, he'll ban it. Like all those, you know, those uh, yeah, AI yeah. things with him talking, like saying wild shit. Yeah. Where he was like, you can't do that anymore. That's not me saying that and banning that. Yep. Right. So we have to be cautious about that as well. That being said, that doesn't prove that he's uh, being nefarious in his activities. I just think that it's something to be cautious of. He can either be a net positive or a negative for society as I, as I view it. And I think it's in our best interest to support the initiative and try and make him a net positive because ultimately it depends on our, it, 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 it does depend on our perspective at the end of the day. You know what I mean? I got one more point that we hadn't touched on about him that I think is just kind of interesting. What's that? Like thoughts about him doing the whole Nick Cannon thing. About, I don't even know what that is. So like having, know. as of right now, Elon Musk already has 10 kids. Like, oh, uh, he's yeah. trying to freeze. Yeah, yeah. He does. He he thinks that he's he's not of the mindset that overpopulation is a problem. In fact, he believes that we need to like populate more. And there's an argument to be made yeah, from weird, that yeah. about that, depending on where you're at geographically, mm, right? No, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because there is, a, they're already talking about Russia and China not having enough of the next generation to sustain the technology mm. and the infrastructure that those countries have already. So they're saying that literally within one or two generations, like these countries could be totally eradicated mm. because they're not reproducing. Yeah. It's like a zero birth rate, not only there in other places too. Yeah. Across the board globally, we're, we're at a, the, the birth rate has gone down 50% across the board on that note. Solo, it's been so much fun, man. Thank you for being with it's us today. Scary, yeah. This has been uh, Bottom of the Bill. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Woo woo.